everyone. This is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio. And as you can tell, we've got something a little bit different uh, in store for you today. Uh, today is a megasode, uh, a combination of the uh, long two-parters I did with a friend of the podcast and awesome possum, Nathan Marchan, um, from Monster Island Film Vault, Henshin Men, The Power Trip. Um, Nathan has joined me as we've looked at unmade kaiju films of Gamera and Godzilla, and he will be rejoining me when we look at King Kong unmade films later this year. Um, I went with this episode this week just because there's been uh, some things going on in my personal life um, where I just wasn't able to set a time a satisfactory time to record to to do any kind of research for uh for a topic uh so we didn't want to go back to once every three weeks or a month of once monthly i wanted to keep my schedule going um so i decided to dip into the vault and combine these two episodes into one um i mentioned in the last episode like i uh, i'll be starting a new job soon uh so i'm phasing out with my current job um Longtime listeners might be aware of the show uh, through the show, like, hey, a couple of years ago, we had some uh, damage to our house from a windstorm um, and then some water damage. That happened again. Uh, I think I mentioned it on the last episode, um, the bad storm we got. Well, it turns out um, that shing- sections of shingles off our roof were removed. Um and then we had uh, last week we had a horrible rainstorm, so we got more water damage. Uh, so the past little bit has kind of been chaotic. There's been uh, both Jill and I off and on have been sick a fair bit over the past little bit. So it's just I don't want to miss an episode of again. So I'm doing a combination. I hope to be back with a new episode next week, but I'll keep you all in the loop. New content will be coming, but uh, instead of putting out nothing, I thought I'd refurbish this. Also, if you are wanting some new content that's not One Cross Radio, uh, please be sure to check out my other podcasts, because I have I have two. Um, I'm not sure y'all know about it. I know y'all know about... Uh, in- Sorry, I almost called it Into the Weeds, because that was the sub-series on here. Uh, I know y'all know about Radio Arcade with myself and uh, my boo, uh, Christian. Uh, but as well, I also have a um, – I'm still narrowing down the schedule. I took a bit of a unplanned hiatus for a while, but a new episode just dropped of my wrestling podcast, Power Bombs and Pile Drivers. So uh, on the off chance you're wanting more Chris Cook content, uh, which is flattering, <laughs> but also why, <laughs> uh, you can check out both of those shows. Links are in the description, um, and you can also find it through my link tree. All that being said, I hope you enjoy this uh, throwback episode. It's a it's a long one. I hope you enjoy it. God bless, my friends. Take care. Peace. Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today we are rejoined by my friend and yours, Nathan Marchand. Nathan, how are you doing today? Hello, One Cross Radio listeners! <laughs> and yes, Jimmy is here too. Awesome. But he's basically my Uber driver at this point, because he just built a couple of mechs a few months ago. Right, right. there were shenanigans after they were unveiled. That may have involved a 
robot battle between me, Jimmy, and Godzilla and Kong. So, uh, yeah. But uh, one of them, one is Mechanicong Mark II, because he rebuilt that sucker. And then the other one is Uber Mogura, which he right. together from the leftover parts from both Moguras. <laughs> that one I didn't know about until stuff went down. So right. now we use that one to fly me around when I have to make guest appearances like this. And <laughs> thankfully, because I called you up and I said, hey, where can we park this thing? Yeah. You said, well, there's a dog park not too far away. And let me tell you, as much as I appreciated not having to go through Canadian customs at the airport, we still <laughs> had to get clearance to fly in Canuck space. <laughs> and, and land this thing. And I mean, they had to let everybody know, get out, all of you, get out of here, get your dogs out of the way. We got a robot coming. Yeah. I, I, I'm just going to put up the friendly rebuttal, sir. Like, like you're saying through Canadian customs. <laughs> Have you ever gone through American customs? <laughs> I haven't had to so far. <laughs> oh my goodness, dude. You don't know. <laughs> I've heard stories. Trust oh, oh, I've heard stories. <laughs> it's not even have, a comparison. I have friends who order action who live in the United States who order action figures from Canada and it takes forever for them to get Oh yeah. Get here. Oh yeah. I, I went to Urbana, um, the missions conference back in 2012. Ugh, I was at the the border for eight and a half hours from t- uh, 12.15 or to like 8.45. That was brutal. Well, I will tell you, this is, uh, this is actually the first time I have been to Canuck land in quite some time. <laughs> since probably high school and the that was the last time I was here was on a family vacation and we went up into Canada in Detroit went all yep. the way around Erie went, spent a few days in Niagara Falls went the back around back the falls, Canada, the falls. so mm-hmm. <laughs> yes we did spend most of our time on the Canadian side of Niagara Falls because you got the prettier falls we've got the good falls <laughs> yep it is <laughs> All right, so uh, today's episode, sir, um, dear listener, we are jumping back into our Unmade series, and there's a reason we're doing this with Nathan, because Nathan is like the foremost knowledgeable kaiju podcaster that I know, and I listen to a couple different kaiju podcasts, and to the other ones, I mean no disrespect, (laughs) I don't mean to burn y'all. Nathan is the one I know the best. (laughs) It's like, hey, he knows stuff, and (laughs) it's not an awkward time to ask, because I even asked him on this very show. (laughs) This is only, what, my fourth appearance at this point? Your favorite guest? Or at least I'm getting up there, I'm like in your top five at this point? If, uh, if, if, calm down, Jimmy. Okay, I get it. This is your first time on the show. All right, I understand that, unless you want to count the watch along, but that was kind of a, a school release thing. But sheesh, man. This is, it, 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 and here's the funny thing. You got Jimmy here. He's just sitting off to the side while I've got my little portable soundboard here to do all the recording. He's just hanging out over there on the side and, you know, still throwing his snarky remarks at me. Of course I mean, he is. He can't not be a producer. It's just how it oh, works. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, so you invite me to 
you invited me to come on to talk about these things. Yes, we are looking at unmade Godzilla movies, yes. which uh, there, there are many. plenty, dear listener. <laughs> there are quite a few because we're talking about about 65 years. No, almost 70 years worth of unmade movies. <laughs> which is bonkers to think about. It like is. That, this franchise is that old. Like, yeah. how many franchises are still active that are that old? I can't think of any. I mean, the closest you could probably get is James Bond. Yeah, Bond and Shrek, and both of those were the, the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else that's been going that long. Unless when At least not a Hollywood. Or, yeah. uh, or Japan, for that matter. I mean, yeah, sure, if you start dinking around enough in Mexico, you're going to find... You know, a series of movies by, uh, with starring Mexican wrestlers. That is a thing. Or or the uh, or the British soap Coronation Street. That's been on for like forever. Yeah. <laughs> I have no but, idea when it started, but it's been yeah. around forever. Yeah. It surprise me if it started as soon as television was a thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> so actually, listeners, let us know in the comments. What's the longest? What's the franchise that's got a similar start date to Godzilla that's still ongoing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all that to say, yes, you're having me on to discuss these things. I have been yeah. described as the kaiju scholar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I think some people want to contest. <laughs> I, have a, I have one or two podcasters who want to compete with me for that title. That being said, yes. But I also have to give credit where credit is due. Most of my research on this subject comes from my dear friend John LeMay, who is a you know is a gentleman and a scholar. I must say, <laughs> I love John. I've been personal friends with him for several years now. He's been on several episodes of my show. Interestingly, he is one of I think maybe I'll be generous to say five people not in the world in the multiverse who like King Kong lives unironically. So, wow, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I had him on the show to defend it because I'm like, yeah, not good. But (laughs) but anyway, so I my relation with him and James Lemay. I don't know. Okay, okay, just because there's a terrific. Actually, no, there wouldn't be. Um, James Lemay is a Canadian artist. All right, never mind. You can cut this, but <laughs> but no. no. Shout out to James Lemay. He's off. <laughs> but anyway, I uh, owe him a debt because I have been pulling from a couple of his books to compile this list for you. One is a big book of Japanese giant monster movies, The Lost Films, which mm-hmm. just has had a new updated edition that is massive. Showing you right now. Yeah, see, you can't see it. But this That's is a it. thick beach of boy. Yeah, it's a big boy. <laughs> this is almost as big as Godzilla's thighs. But anyway, and uh, this is the new mutated edition. So, And then also he repackaged some of it with a different focus in another mm-hmm. book that he just put out called Writing Giant Monsters, which I'm actually really excited to dive into more because I'm a writer and I love learning about the writing process for all of these films. Nice. Nice. Yeah, and I thought I had something, but my brain farted, so there that went. Uh, and I, you definitely did do so much research on this, and 
you, you were telling me along the way, and that's like, that's awesome with me. I didn't have much access. So I was hitting uh, some YouTube videos um, and then also Wikizilla and Gojipedia. And those oh, are, those have been tidied up because at one point, oh, there was so a, much. Oh yeah. Well, there was the long rumor. Is, is totally legit now. A few years uh, a few years ago, it was a bit of a joke. Now it's seriously. Yeah. Legit. Well, been, the guys I know, a couple of the guys that I've talked with them on occasion, at some cons and stuff, and they have been working really hard to improve that website. Well, how, for a long time, there was under the unmade section uh, uh, the rumored. Uh, Godzilla versus the devil or Godzilla versus Satan. Which is something that we will discuss today. Oh, wow, there we go. Because <laughs> that is a thing that wanted to exist. <laughs> right, right. All right, so um, why don't we dive in? Would you like to kick us off or should I? I will sir, kick sir? us off because especially right. the second item on this list has fun because it's wild. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm that reading that. One, I'm just that like, second one on this list is one of the most famous and the wildest in the bunch. But no, the first one I have on here, I will admit it's a little bit of a cheat. It was codenamed Project G, but mm-hmm. it also went by the title The Beast from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> Wearing its influence <laughs> on its sleeve. But basically, this was the first draft of the original 1954 film that was put together by Japanese novelist Shigeru Toyama. Nice. Yeah, great so pronunciation. What? Great pronunciation on that name, I, too. I work with Japanese guys every day on Monster Island. I hope yeah. I'm getting this down. I'm still the dirty, dirty American there. But, <laughs> well, I'm the only one, actually. There's a few others. But <laughs> The only time I've ever been satisfied with my pronunciation of Japanese names was on the recent uh, Grave of the Fireflies episodes I, Which episode I, I did. Best I have not listened to yet, mostly because I have yet to see Grave of the Fireflies. It also just dropped today, and it's spoilerific. That's the reason I've avoided it, because I don't want... But anyway, so, to get into the details of this unmade film, it has the same main cast of characters, but the story's a bit different, and also, from what John was saying in his book, it's a bit spookier. So, Emiko, the... Mm -hmm. uh, one of the main characters who's in the original film is more proactive in this version. And Dr. Yamane is more eccentric and he's really depressed. In fact, he wears a cape and only comes out at night in this draft. <laughs> the Godzilla at different points would uh, during this process, he wasn't the, fictional, well, let me set that over. He wasn't the dinosaur that we all know and love. He was actually at one point going to be a walking whale, (laughs) a lizard with floppy dog ears, or a giant octopus. I'm picturing some later kaijus, like I'm picturing King Caesar mixed with with a blue whale. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you'll notice a bit of a pattern because Eiji Tsuburaya had this thing for octopuses. They kept wanting to show up in everything, and he only got it and got them to show up on a few occasions. But he really liked them giant octopuses. It's like him and John Peters with the obsession with we have to have a giant mechanical spider. Yes, just about. 
So what's here's the interesting thing though. It does have shades of Shin Godzilla with the Japanese government doing nothing until Godzilla comes ashore and causes damage. And so like I said, this draft where war its influences on its sleep. It also has some similarities to the Beast of Twenty Thousand Fathoms with Godzilla attacking a lighthouse. And there are scenes. This is interesting. And this almost made it into the final film. Mm-hmm. They actually did film some shots where this happened, but they ended up getting cut. There are scenes of Godzilla eating cattle and other monsters. In fact, if you dig around the Internet enough and look in the right sources, you will find a photograph of a special effects scene where... There's a cow half hanging out of Godzilla's mouth. It's actually really interesting, but they left that out. In a weird way, I'm kind of glad that they did. Um, The other monsters, especially, just because, don't get me wrong, the other kaiju play an important part of Godzilla. But in that first film, I like that he's, uh, like, it's solo. Well, if I remember right, when I wrote down other monsters, it's it's just smaller Right, that he's eating. They're not really the focus. They're just there to get eaten. Oh, kind of okay, like okay, the, okay. the mega neuron or mega neulon, however you want to say it, in Rodan. You know, the, the right. bugs that you see at the beginning. They're like, oh my gosh, these are terrifying. And then later, guess what? They're just snacks. <laughs> right. For Rodan. I'm thinking of the. I'm thinking of the sea lice thing almost from a. Godzilla. Uh, Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Certain extent. Which. Those will start showing up in a lot of these drafts as we go, too. Yep, because it's got to be sea life. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, that's really all there is to say. It's just it's the first draft. A lot of stuff got kept. A lot of stuff got refined. Obviously, Dr. Yamane was mm-hmm. more of a wizened scientist. He was less eccentric. He didn't wear the cape. I think a lot of this stuff probably would have I think it would have detracted from the sort of movie I think they wanted to make it would have made it too pulpy I think and I don't yeah. think it would have become the classic that it is because it needed to be more grounded oh yeah well some of the stuff as I'm reading it it's uh it reminds me of they've released it they released it in the novel I think but then also in a, a trade paperback comic uh the original screenplay that Lucas did for Star Wars and it's so different where it's like I, it's crazy interesting, but at the same point, you're like, this wouldn't work. Like, we would not be I, uh, where we are. I would be that. to actually read the screenplay itself. I've read the comic book series that was inspired by it, and the comic book series was weird enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's just those differences. So this is something... Like just because we're talking, I'm made. I'd, I'd be curious to see this if they ever like. I doubt Toho would do it um, unless they lean in on the uh, like. Hey, let's just because they're going into a Godzilla, a, like a Godzilla verse or whatever they're calling it, and at points they're like, hey, once, yeah, like once a year, twice a year, we're gonna get something out. It's like, hey. Drop this, drop this on a streaming service on a DVD, or drop it in a comic book form. Just be like, let's see what this almost the Elseworlds stories kind of thing. 
I, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of those. Though. I wouldn't be opposed to this existing, but but kind of like the like the Star Wars, you know, the the uh, the Dark Horse yeah. comic with the Star Wars movie. Put it out there so people can see what could have been. Acknowledging the fact that this is not as good. <laughs> oh yeah, no. <laughs> like, could you picture like a, a walking whale? No. Well, that actually goes back to the fact that the Japanese name for Godzilla is Gojira, which yeah. is a portmanteau of the Japanese words for whale and gorilla. Mm-hmm. So some people will kind of it, translate the name, or transliterate the name, I should say, as something like uh, the whale that walks upright like gorilla or something like that, or walks like gorilla. I'm just like I'm picturing the amazing uh, Tokyo burning scene, and you just got this whale kind of like, trying to hop around on it, breathing whale, <laughs> and it's just like okay, yeah, no. The, well, the, and, and honestly, if you really want a giant octopus movie, just watch it came from beneath the sea. Right. <laughs> Although that one is technically a septopus. What's a septopus? It's because it actually it doesn't have eight legs. That was a mistake on the special effects. Okay. Wait, uh, so how many? Six? Seven? Seven. I think it's gotcha. seven. Although I okay. think I've heard some people say it's actually a sextopus because it has six, not eight. I don't know. I haven't watched that movie since I was in high school. So that's fair. That's fair. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on to the next one, and you are absolutely right. This is. Incredibly bonkers, even by title oh. alone. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> and uh, I will preface it by saying this is one that actually does exist in some form now. I will explain <laughs> it. And I have a bit of a connection to it, so continue. This, as a, like, as you read this, you're just like, okay, this is. This screams the '60s. I'm like, I'm feeling no, this like was, I'm getting. This was the. Uh, this was right after Godzilla raids again. So we're talking late '50s. Right. I'm just as I'm reading this, I'm just like, I'm getting Batman, like the, the Batman series vibes, the TOS <laughs> <Red> vibes. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. So, listener, uh, I'll, I'll get to reading about it. This is called Bride of Godzilla. Says what? Um, With a question mark. That is actually part of the title. (laughs) With a question mark. Yes. Bride of Godzilla. Um, So this was a planned third Godzilla film written by actor and aspiring screenwriter uh, Hideo Unagami. Unagami, thank you. It was so crazy that fans thought it was fake until it was revealed that it was real in 2010. Uh, prehistoric monsters emerge from an underground cavern. Um, you put in your notes like the hollow earth and that's sure. the thing that keeps cropping back up. Yeah. Um, well, it's in the monster verse for sure. Oh, and, yeah, we, yeah, have, yeah. and there is a small entrance to the hollow earth on monster Island. So there we go. There we, we have go. to keep a close eye on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so a scientist creates a giant naked lady robot. <laughs> Naked as in like a Barbie doll. That makes it even weirder. <laughs> I'm just making sure you understand what we're talking about. Or maybe Ghost in the Shell. Maybe that's another comparison I could use. Like, are we talking like a, a, a Barbie doll that looks like Mechagodzilla almost? Like, 
No, it's a woman. Pardon? It's an actual, it was an actual woman. Wow. Okay. So it's a lady (laughs) robot that looks like a giant robot Barbie doll. Wow. Okay. So they've got this uh, giant lady robot to fight these monsters and Godzilla. The robot woman's name is Eve. It also has mermaids who fight a giant octopus. I told you! <laughs> what <laughs> drugs were involved in this? <laughs> what? What drugs were involved in this? I don't know, but it must have been good stuff. Um, By the way, Tomoyuki Tanaka, one of the big producers at Toho, really up until like the late 90s, or like the 40s to the 90s, he loved this script. <laughs> he never got it made, but I think that was, this was one he's like, I really want to make this one, but he never got it made. I, I want this because of how absurd it is. But <laughs> well, uh, you kind you do kind of get it now. So continue. <laughs> um, so another character named Doctor Yanai oh, skipped one. <laughs> oh, I did. All right, yeah. Some elements like giant bugs attacking a village made their way into Rodan, uh-huh. um, and that's something that we. Like, I know we'll touch upon multiple times. Toho kind of does this. And other studios have as well, where it's like, okay, this didn't get made, but there was a part of it that we really wanted, so we'll we'll get it in. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it works out, and sometimes it's a giant spider showing up in a terrible Wild Wild West movie. Um, (laughs) For no reason whatsoever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, so another character, Dr. Yanai. Ian I is a Christian. His wife, Rico, was Sheeta's little flame. She and is Eve, the scientist who made the robot. Gotcha. And Eve is built in her image. Yeah, and a, his wife is Sheeta's ex-girlfriend. Um, there's also a robot daughter <laughs> named Robusume by fans um, that looks like her. Rico's consciousness is transferred in, transferred into the giant robot, which has the daughter's face. I'm getting the ends of Biolante vibes from this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they were going for Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, no, no. It, it's just every once in a while I see something. I'm like, they're friggin' vibing from Biolante on this. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yep, there's Dr. Frankenstein comparison. Godzilla is described as smiling at one point. <laughs> um, what? The bride then breaks. Yeah, well, I, I, I should have mentioned this. They brought Angerus back for this one. They wanted to. Yeah, and, uh, and there's, a, there's an entire underground world when we're talking about the Hollow Earth Caver thing. It's it's like it's very Jules Vernean. Well, no, Angerus, <laughs> I should say. Um, the bride banks a breaks Angerus's jaw and rips out his throat <laughs> and swings Godzilla around by the tail. Okay. Here's where it gets really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Godzilla then falls in love with her when his ray doesn't hurt her. Um, Dr. Sheeta says a wedding is imminent because it is the foreplay of love to be beaten. (laughs) So there you go, fellas. There there you go. Uh, wait to a woman's heart. Let her beat you up. That, that, there you go. Don't do that. Or, or apparently, <laughs> you have to fall in love with a woman you can't beat in a fight. That's what you need to do. So oh, my you. gosh. 
don't take love tips from this movie. <laughs> don't. <laughs> um, it ends with Godzilla and the bride going back to the Hollow Earth, where she detonates an H-bomb inside her, destroying the Hollow Earth. Um, and presumably Godzilla inside. Yes. Um, too expensive. Oh, that's not why the, it didn't get made because it would have been way too expensive to do. Yeah. Well, yeah, as you're reading this, you're like, what is this? Uh, it was adapted into an audio drama on Kaijusaurus, and your friend Danny Damana voiced Dr. Sheeta. That's what I said. So there are a few of these that have been picked up, and they now exist in some form. And in this case, it was the, the Kaijusaurus podcast, which is, if I remember correctly, is based in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> and the, they took three of these <laughs> movies and made them into basically like 30, 40 minute audio dramas. And this was the this was the third of the three that they made. And yes, my friend Danny Demana got on it as Dr. Sheeta. And I actually did ask them if I could audition, but I don't think they got my message. So, <laughs> um, this might be the most bonkers thing I've ever. <laughs> not 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 uh, police, but it's up there. Uh, this is just a taste of what's to come, my friend. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. That is that is probably at least in the top five of zaniest ones, but there's still more to come. Oh yeah, no no. It's, but this I, is the the first time I've read it all in one go. Like I've been aware of it, and I've been aware of bits and pieces of it, but. All of it together, I'm like, what is this? My brain hurts. <laughs> yeah. And the weird thing is, I want to watch it. <laughs> I do. Well, listen to the audio drama. Listen to the audio drama. It's very entertaining. And <clears throat> before we move on, just because we shouted out this audio drama, uh, these two aren't related to what we're talking about, but they're excellent audio dramas. Uh, I got to sh- shout out the Carl Dutton podcast. If you look up on... Uh, Spotify, uh, I believe they're on other podcatchers as well, most others, if not all. But I found all the episodes specifically through Spotify. Uh, his X-Men, the anim- his X-Men audio drama is I've listened fantastic. To a few of that. It's actually really good. And the, the Power Rangers audio drama he does is my favorite Power Rangers thing going right now. Like, I just finished season one of that. It's phenomenal. Or more phenomenal, because <laughs> you have to. But yeah, yeah uh, listeners, if you're a fan of either of those, check those out. Just a, a little content warning. There are some things that they do, uh, and it happens with Power Rangers, because also, I mean, it's uh, they're high school students, and they don't idealize them as, like, paragons of virtue. <laughs> um, well, uh I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on your show, but that Scorpina be horny. I'm just saying. <laughs> Scorpina be be bad. Uh, and there's, there's um, I'll do a little teaser for you. There's something coming in, in the season two kickoff where you're like, what? <laughs> so, all right, let's uh, let's move on, shall we? All right. Um, so the next, this next one is. A little bit interesting. The this is the volcano monsters. This was technically going to be an American film, believe it or not. This was an American film. Well, okay, let me start that over. You can cut this well, out. 
Sure. I was also going to actually, I'll wait till you're, you're going in. So. Okay. <laughs> this was eventually became the dubbed version of Godzilla Rage again. It was made, and it was made by the same studio that imported that film, which by the way, listeners, if you don't know, Godzilla Rage again is the second Godzilla film. It was made and released within a year of the original. Yeah, yeah. Much like uh, Son of Kong was, where they're like, oh, money. <laughs> yeah, put it out there. So <laughs> it was written by a guy named Ib Melchior, I hope I said that correctly, who went on to write Reptilicus. <laughs> Shout out to my pay, my MIFV Max member, Damon, who was just on a recent episode of my show. He loves Reptilicus, but... Wow, Reptilicus. <laughs> so, Godzilla and Anguirus, because those were the monsters in Godzilla Raids again, they are basically what this would have done is it would have taken the monster footage from the original movie with a little bit of new stuff, and then they would have made a whole other story around it with brand new characters. And they, but and, they weren't going to be oh, Godzilla and Anguirus. They were just going to be a T-Rex and an Ankylosaur wrecking San Francisco's Chinatown. By the way, San Francisco is going to show up a lot in these as well, just so you know. And, and here's the interesting news. thing. The suits <laughs> from that movie were sent overseas to California for them to use. Because they were going to film a few new scenes with those suits. And the, uh, the story features an old scientist, his beautiful assistant, and a jerk soldier hero named Steve McBain. <laughs> yes, McBain. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you talking about my muscles? They, they, my muscles are happy that they know you are talking about me. <laughs> Upon closer inspection, these are loafers. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and the funny thing is, that is about... That is about as true to form. I don't want to call it stereotypical or cliche, but that is as tropastic as you can get with these things. Yep. So much so that I have co-written a kaiju novella that uses that exact same setup of characters <laughs> plus a more. But yeah, so just think about that. Godzilla would have just been a T-Rex and Anguirus just would have been an Ankylosaur. I'm a little more willing to believe that Anguirus can just be an Ankylosaur because that's basically what he is. Yeah. But Godzilla is some bizarre new species of T-Rex. <laughs> he can breathe fire and he has giant spines on his back. What were they thinking? <laughs> well, and then the... Uh, so... This one came up in some of the videos I was watching uh, and as I was reading about it. So the the studio that was going to make this went bankrupt. <laughs> and then they also lost the suit. <laughs> yep. And part of this also, um, I mentioned this on a, a recent Solo Quick Thoughts podcast. I just can't remember the name of it. But there was one podcast where some people were saying like, uh, maybe Godzilla shouldn't be made by an Amer like made by America because it's not their story. It doesn't impact. And they were they were pointing to the 2014 version as like they they don't want to take the blame for the atomic bombings and blah blah blah. Um, but I'm like, well, one that movie wasn't passing the buck. They had established in that movie like Godzilla had existed for a long time. It's not like the 1998 one where it's like, oh no, it was France instead. Uh, 
freedom prize and such. Um, but, well, in there, uh, okay. This will be the one. This will be one of the few defenses I will make of that movie. In their defense, there were French nuclear tests in the mid '90s that were making some headlines at the time. That's and fair. France is technically a nuclear power, so no, no, that's that, that's fair. That's fair. Um, also, Philippe Roche, one of the well, only thing in movie. So well, I was going to say, uh, I'll, def- most, I mean. I'll, I'll defend Jean Reno and Hank Azaria. In those in that movie, uh, how many years are we at now? Over twenty years later, I still want that spinoff. I want that spinoff with those two. Just That's those, coming just... up. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, the other thing is, uh, like, where I was going with this is when I heard that, and I mentioned it on the previous episode. My rebuttal to that is like, Toho from day one has been open to and wanting America to embrace this and other like other countries to embrace this um this one in particular like why they were fine with sending the suits in the adaptation was godzilla was not he he was not what he is today uh he was not even what he was at the height of the of the shawa era yet um like he was known shawa he was known see jimmy's correcting you too (laughs) like he was he was known in japan but not really anywhere else. And if he was known, it was minorly because of the like the the bad dub, King of the Mon- <laughs> like King of the Monsters. So even then, like we're seeing throughout history this this willingness for other people. Later, they might be a little more guarded because of bad versions. But <laughs> so what you're saying is history shows again and again how nature points up the folly of men. Is that? <laughs> Maybe the folly of the states trying to adapt Godzilla. <laughs> yes. But, uh, eventually got it. So I, eventually I, did but it I, will, I will also say, if you watch this dubbed version of Godzilla Rage again... Oh, yeah, no. It's, it's not horrible. great. No, it's, it's awful. It's kind of terrible, but it's <laughs> seriously terrible. But it is noteworthy for being one of George Takei's first acting gigs. Right. And also, it has the guy who voices Yogi Bear. So. <laughs> and they replace footage of the original movie with some long-lost, bizarre documentary that tried using hilariously bad special effects to illustrate oh basically the process of creation. That in the commentary, if you get the classic media DVD, the guy when he was uh, when he got to that point said that it, it was a documentary on unintelligent design, <laughs> which sums up this version of this movie. It's kind of, but uh, we'll uh, we'll move on to the next one, and uh, this one is timely. I actually had John come on my show to talk about this for a little bit, yeah. but it's really timely now. Oh, I know, right? Because it's uh, later this month. Uh, so this one is called Continuation, King Kong versus Godzilla. So, so yes, they were going to have a rematch back in the 60s because yes. Toho's like, we got the Kong license for five years. What can we do? <laughs> and they're also like, holy frick, this he sold so many tickets and made us so much money. Where's that sequel? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, dear listener, um, I, 
this point, like it, it's become co fairly common knowledge, especially with uh, Godzilla versus Kong coming up. But you know what? Some of you might not know. So in the 60s, uh, 63, there was the original King Kong versus Godzilla. 62. 62, right. It got released in North America. 63. 63, yeah. And I recently was able to watch the Japanese original for the first time and substantially better. Um, it is. <laughs> and uh, so that one is, I'll say I, I enjoy it a lot, but it's also very much a product of its time. There is it, stuff you will not ever see again, and rightfully so, like giving kids cigarettes or something like that. Um, I think that was actually, I think there was that was part of the satire because that yeah. that the Japanese version of the original movie is very much a satire, and I think that was part of it. Well, and also it's it's. Also very, it's weird how timely that, that satire was, right? Like the, the desperation for ratings and doing whatever you yeah, can. It's like, that oh, was that right sounds the beginning familiar. of the Japanese economic miracle when Japan's economy was booming. Right. So they made this movie to satirize all of that. And a big part of it was television because so, television was a new <laughs> thing. At the time. And yeah, it's, it's tremendous. If you get a and chance. Watch it. If, if they don't somehow, I'm, they're bound to reference it, but I'm curious if Godzilla vs. Kong is going to recreate the iconic tree in the throat shot. I would love them to, although I've heard some other people, other people point out, and this is actually kind of a funny observation, with how ridiculously crazy that Warner Brothers and Legendary are getting with promoting this movie. They're like, they're doing exactly what the original movie was satirizing. Right. <laughs> well, this irony is not lost on us. <laughs> <laughs> We're still in a pandemic. There's money to be made. <laughs> um, all right. So, so this sequel includes King Kong adopting a yeah, human well, baby. Oh, gosh, mentioned, this, uh, this treatment was written by Shinichi Sekizawa, who was one of the go-to screenwriters or Toho back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. The other one that you'll, you'll see this name sometimes too on this list is Takeshi Kimura. I want to point that out. Second um, wrote this treatment, and he wrote King Kong versus Godzilla. So uh, Kong adopt, adopts a, uh, a human baby who survives a plane crash in Africa. He develops a psychic link with him. <laughs> um, <laughs> Godzilla's that's, body is that's washed. That's how John was phrasing it, because... Basically, he just follows the baby everywhere. Right, right. Um, and this is something we... I, I like this part because this is something that kind of shows up in the next Godzilla Wonder movie. Versus Godzilla, part of it. Which yeah. was by Sekizawa. <laughs> uh, Godzilla's body is washed ashore in mud and put on display at a theme park. Kong follows the child when he's taken back to Japan and roles are reversed because Godzilla is revived to fight Kong. A poison Kong decoy is used on Godzilla, and he enters the final battle by swimming through lava and emerging from the mountain. All right, that would have been awesome. Uh, they fight on Mount Aso and disappear into a... Pardon? No, I think it's Aso. Aso. Uh, they fight on Mount Aso and disappear into a volcano, ending in a tie. Again. Or actually, no, the last time Kong technically won. won. Um, I don't agree. I've given up. I've upon that argument. <laughs> it's either tied, Kong won. At least you're not buying into the old urban legend that there's two endings. 
Yeah. No, well, to, to me, Toho said, like, no, Kong won, so I'm like, i got to go with that. Yeah, I'm they're saying it. I. <laughs> I can't make it. Um, and then, yeah, uh, you know that John LeMay uh, thinks some elements carried over into Macho Vista. And you uh, also missed the part where uh, Kong would have fought a giant scorpion. How'd I miss that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which would have been epic, but I can tell you right now it would have been very difficult to do because, I mean, they needed 20 people just to operate the Kumonga puppet in yeah. Son of Godzilla. You imagine trying to do a scorpion? Because <laughs> then you have to worry about the tail and the, ha- and the claws and... As well as the legs. So some of the psychic stuff, I don't like, I'm not saying they deliberately recycled it for later, but some of this psychic connection reminds me of what we're going to get in the uh, the Heisei era. Uh, Well, actually, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking we might be seeing something a bit like this in Godzilla versus Kong with that little death girl. Right. Yes. No, no, that too. Like (laughs) that, I'm like, oh, in the trailer. But then in later Godzilla movies, I'm like, oh, you eventually got... (laughs) It's like a connection. Yeah. Um, and all right. So just so you know, there there's going to be a special premiere for Godzilla vs. Kong on the island, and Little Gia has been invited to the premiere. So nice, mm. nice. Uh, why don't you kick off the next one, sir? Oh my gosh, we have so many to go. <laughs> uh, I know, but I do want to say I would have actually been very curious to see this, especially with this very new take. Well, not new take, but variation on the Kong story. I would have been very curious to see that. So uh, that's actually one I, I kind of would like to see adapted in one form or another. But then we get to Fra- Frankenstein. Frankenstein versus Godzilla. So Frankenstein versus Godzilla. This is I'm sure I'd also like the continuation. I, I'd love to see that in uh like, animate it. Do it as an animated cartoon. Or a comic. A comic would be nice, but... If you could do it as an uh, I'd love it. Um, all right, back. Anyway, yes, Frankenstein <laughs> versus Godzilla. This is an early concept that eventually became Frankenstein Conquers the World. Have you ever seen Frankenstein Conquers the World? I have not. Uh, I do recommend it. It's a little hard to track down, unfortunately, but the, the, the out-of-print DVD has actually dropped in price. So it's it's only like... It's not a pound of flesh. It's more like six ounces, maybe, of flesh, so you can buy it. So, so uh, treatment was by future Star Trek. How much is that in Smackaroos? <laughs> yeah. This treatment was by future Star Trek writer Jerry Soul, and the script was going to be by Takeshi Kimura. So we have a young Dr. Bowen, who is a character in Frankenstein Conquers the World, Yes, Jimmy, played by your favorite guy in the world, Nick Adams. Doing <laughs> <laughs> that man crush. You know that guy's dead, right? But anyway. <laughs> oh, does it matter? Whatever. So, a young Dr. Bowen witnesses the Hiroshima bombing. Frankenstein's heart is seen crawling on the floor leaving a trail like a slug and growing like a fetus. What? <laughs> it even eats a mouse. Oh, my God. Now, just to explain, since you haven't seen Frankenstein Conquers the World, something like this does make it into the movie. Frankenstein, uh, The Frankenstein monster's disembodied heart is at Hiroshima right before the bombing, 
it does get exposed to radiation, and it does <laughs> actually start to – you don't see it on screen, but it does – depending on if you watch the dub or the, uh, or the sub – the dub says it was eaten by a vagabond child, and then it turned into, and then he turned into a monster. While the dub, the subtitled version says that the heart eventually, because of its unusual properties and the radiation, grew a body and went and uh, was this ragged child that would be running around Hiroshima twenty years later. Hmm. So, but yeah, that was all off screen. So hmm. none of this. Craziness, <laughs> which I mean, I would have loved to have seen them try to do this. This, sounds, yeah. this honestly sounds quite horrific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, aside, yeah, I I mentioned that part, so uh, you can cut this out. Uh, so after he he becomes a man, basically, he fights the military. Got to remember, he's not giant size at this point. He's maybe nine, ten feet tall. And then the military releases Godzilla from an iceberg. Kind of forgetting that he has been in an iceberg for a couple of movies, but whatever. And that's <laughs> him to get him to fight Frankie. That's how I put it in my notes. Fight Frankie, because mm-hmm. Frankenstein's on the island, and we call him Frankie. Frankie tells uh, takes Sueco, who's one of the other characters who does make it into Frankenstein Conquers the World. Oh crap! I forgot the actress's name because I was going to make a joke with Jimmy, but I can't remember the actress's name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. He takes her captive and protects her like he's King Kong. Yeah. So that's just some of the crazy, uh, some of the things that happened in this movie. No one is sure why it didn't get made, but it was a decision by the American investor because. You need a second. Uh. You can keep going. I'm just trying to let Luna in. She just walked up to the the door and okay. just started squeaking. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Luna. Hi. Oh, oh yeah. nice doggy. Nice doggy. She, she needs love. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> because this was one of three movies that was being produced by Henry G. Saperstein, and he was helped investing in it. And that, so it's one of those three, Frankenstein Conquers World. The other one's being Invasion of Astro Monster or Monster Zero and War right. of the Guardians. So it was the Americans who decided we don't want to do this script. And they wanted to focus more on the Frankenstein boy idea. And they thought having Godzilla in this would distract from it. No, that's kind of fair. That's kind of fair. Uh, as I'm like, as you're making this, uh, not, you're not making the pitch, but as you're reading the pitch, I'm just kind of like, this sounds more like a Frankenstein movie with Godzilla kind of not shoehorned in. He fits in a little bit more than that, but it's still like, this This ain't a Godzilla movie. Yeah, and when you watch the final film, there is the kaiju Frankenstein, and he got replaced with a brand new monster named Baragon. Right. We call it Barry on the island, <laughs> affectionately. But we have to keep Frankie and Barry separated. They They really don't like each other. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and so now we come to a movie where a title got used later. <laughs> in the Millennium Era, it's like, oh, that title is really good. Let's use it. <laughs> You'll see it a couple of times, actually. Yep. <laughs> so this one is called Two Godzillas! Exclamation point. Tokyo SOS! Exclamation point. Yes. So 
it's an early draft of what became Son of Godzilla. It was written by a woman named Kazuhi Shiba. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, pretty much. There, I can't remember her name now suddenly, but the, this was funny. For years, I did not know about her. Uh, and I thought that most of us in the fandom thought that the first woman, and at, this, at that point, the only woman to write a Godzilla film was the woman who wrote Terror of Mechagodzilla. Her yeah, name that's, unfortunately, but that's something that still gets shared as a Yeah, as a but apparently you have her, and as you read through these notes, you'll understand why I think she probably gets overlooked. So That's fair. And also, I guess you could be like, if you wanted to be, a, well, the fact is, the terror of Mechagodzilla got me. Um, yeah. But anyway. Yes, Jimmy, uh, that's the sort of thing you would remind me. <laughs> um, all right, so Godzilla and the Sun terrorize scientists building a weather control device on an island, be- on an island before attacking Tokyo. Uh, so Chico, that, that's very similar to Son of Godzilla. <laughs> As that, then, basic, that same basic premise is in Son of Godzilla. Well, and that's the that's the thing we're seeing throughout this. Like, if it doesn't get one thing doesn't get picked and put into the movie that it morphed into, uh, it then uh, so many of these things eventually get used. My apologies um, for the typo on the next bullet point. It's Psycho. Psycho. Okay. Or in uh, in the uh, the dub, her name was changed to Rico. So the reason I'm laughing is just because I instantly thought of a friend where they see the commercial where Joey's <laughs> the commercial for Japanese men's lipstick, Ichiban, at the end, Ichiban, lipstick for men. It's Saiko. <laughs> uh, but no, I trust me, I listened to that movie subtitled very closely. And that is actually how she pronounces the name. And I think that's why they changed it. <laughs> it sounds like a terrible pun in English. Yeah. All right. So Psycho, a.k.a. Rico, uh, is in this, but she isn't a jungle girl. She is the daughter of a scientist who creates the weather control device. Uh, so the did carry over. Pardon? I was just saying, so a character did carry over. Right. Now, with um, that sort of in the final movie because she was uh they they she's a jungle girl but she's not a an island native she was actually japanese and her father and her were there when she was little and her father right. died. she's been surviving on the island for 10 years right sorry i'm just closing the door a little bit that's okay <laughs> okay um Sorry, I'm just picking up where I left off. Um, okay, so the island is evacuated halfway into the movie because of a volcanic eruption, moving the action to Tokyo, where the weather control device is used to neutralize the monsters with a tsunami. Um, the budget on this, like, as I'm, reading, as I'm reading this, I'm like, I can think of many reasons so far why this ain't. Yeah, probably. But something like that does happen in the movie because the weather control device does get used, but instead of it being a tsunami, it makes it snow on the island. So, <laughs> so basically, Godzilla and Manila <laughs> go into hibernation. Right, right. Um, so then, Godzilla Jr. is a more serious monster compared to Manila. 
Godzilla is the antagonist of the game, though. Um, yeah, because at this point he was uh, making his transition to being the hero. Right. They made him more antagonistic in this. Right. And I'm also on the record of being much more of a fan of Junior than Manila. Um, not to shade on Manila. <laughs> I can I, I, hey, I appreciate hey, hey, Junior more. Junior and Manila get along fine on the island, just saying. Good, good, good. Um, <laughs> brothers. <laughs> from yeah. from different eras. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a little uh, confusing. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's a scene where the scientists climb on rocks only to discover it's Godzilla, Godzilla's dorsal plates. You know what? That sounds like a really cool scene. <laughs> well, you kind of got it in Godzilla versus Megaguirus. That's fair. And uh, there's a scene in a Godzilla novel from the 90s by Mark Saraceni where that happens, sort of. And it immediately made me think of uh, the unmade American Godzilla movie before the 1998 one, but then also the early parts of 2014's Godzilla, where it's, they're not in Godzilla, but they're in the... Are they in, like they're in the dead Pluto or the dead one of oh, them? Early on, they find a, they find a hollowed-out husk. Yeah. The yeah. idea being that there was a creature inside there that was killed by the Muto because they're parasites. Right. Yeah. And, and I guess the idea was that the uh, that it kind of incubated there for a while and it got loose. Right. So this was scrapped due to too oh, many... no, forgot. Oh. Forgot a, you got forgot a point. Oh right, yes. An early scene had Godzilla and Junior hunting clams. Big old um, clams and eating them. Sounds thrilling. <laughs> um, it could be. Like I, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't poo-poo on it. Um, this, this was scrapped due to too many underwater scenes, which were, especially at the time, difficult to film. Yeah. And the last uh, of a monster they learned, versus. They, they learned some hard lessons with ever a horror of the deep Godzilla versus the sea monster. Those were difficult to do. Um, and the lack of a monster versus monster climax, which especially at the time I can understand because, um, well, by that point it was Godzilla. Like the high say era gets nicknamed the versus era. Hey, say, he said. I knew it. I knew it. As soon as I said, it. I was like, I'm going to get it from Jimmy. Jimmy, I'm sorry. I got it right earlier. <laughs> Drop the ball here. I, I am not my producer's keeper. I'm just saying. My bad, Jimmy. My bad. My apologies. <laughs> Um, yeah, so at that point, like, you're not going to get a, a non-monstery ending. So I, I understand it, but there's, I w- I'm not the biggest fan of Son of Godzilla. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, yeah, it's, but there's there's parts of this where I'm like, you know what, I this is one where I'd be like, yeah, you know what, comic book form. Like yeah. a comic or, uh, I don't know if I'd want it and, like, because I love the comic book medium, but there's somewhere I'm like, you know what? I don't know if this would necessarily work as an anime, but a comic, I think a comic would capture this really well. That is the perfect transition to our next one, comic! Exactly, exactly. (laughs) I almost want to give this one to you. I almost do, but I'll do it. I'll keep going. But this might be, at least nowadays, I mean, Pride of Gunsville is a really well-known one. But this might be the be- the most popular one 
Oh, yeah. This whole list now. Oh, yeah. And that and is, is, yes, people, this almost existed. Batman meets Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> and to make it even better... It was developed by the team that made Batman 66 and would have featured the Adam West Batman. Yep. Yep. <laughs> also, Robin and Batgirl and Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> I wonder if they would have lifted the uh, the restrictions they had on Batgirl not being able to really kick. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Japanese aren't gonna care. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was actually a, probably would have been an American film, but <laughs> that that was the restriction I learned about. They're like, no, you got to make Batgirl very, very feminine, and you can't have her kick or punch like Batman and Robin do. So it's got to be these light little kicks. And I'm like, really? Oh my gosh! Yep. 1960s TV censorship is silly. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, so there's a bit of a complicated backstory to this thing there is there has been a 38 page script by Sekizawa but no one knows if he for sure wrote it it would have been written two months before the show premiered although some people say it could have been known by the people at Toho and for what I understand when the show got imported to Japan it was popular uh, well that one what that show was incredibly popular world over like as much as five minutes <laughs> like as much as like i don't I love hate the wrong word but for a while because i'm like that and i still have some bones with it because as much as I, I dig it for what it was but that's still like that's still what people think of when they think of robin i'm like no robin's such a great character except <laughs> it's not the show's fault that it's actually true to the comics as they were at that moment, okay? There's a whole slew of other reasons why that show was the way it was that we are not going to get into because no, this I, is not I, can't, I, can't, I can't fully blame the show, but it's like, like Super Friends. Super Friends was a terrible show, but how long did it take for Aquaman to get out of the stupid Super Friends? Yes. Anyway. Anyway. Well, the, the primary source for this, Thing is actually a treatment by a producer on the mm -hmm. Batman 66 show, William Dozer. Mm -hmm. So, William Dozer, there you go. So, you know, and there's some discrepancies between the Dozer treatment and the so-called Sekizawa script. Yeah, uh, but you know, but basically, those are the two primary sources for this. It does not, believe it or not, it does not involve any of Batman's rogues gallery. It involves a new villain whose name is Klaus. Finster. <laughs> I love that name automatically. I'm like, it is a good name. I can't think of, a, and I'm Klaus. trying to rack my brain to think of, like, what any movie I've ever seen, has there been a good, uh, a good guy named Klaus? <laughs> I can't think of one. Which is funny because I have a friend who is now, his whole family actually, is now in New Guinea doing work with Wycliffe Bible translators and his last name is Klaus with a K. <laughs> and he told me for years he wanted to be able to name a son Klaus with a C just so there could be a Klaus Klaus. <laughs> <laughs> his wife said no. 
every Probably for the best. Child. <laughs> Probably for the best. <laughs> but it's still so. good. Okay. But uh, anyway, so Klaus Finster has a weather control device, and he also controls Godzilla, who is mentioned to have last battled Kong. Commissioner Gordon, Batgirl, Batman, and Robin are all in it. Like I said, they <laughs> defeat Godzilla by distracting the lonely kaiju with a quote-unquote Godzilla mating call <laughs> and a quote-unquote dynamite blow to the head after climbing him. This is, Batman does this before shooting Godzilla into space in a rock. <laughs> So I'm guessing <laughs> the first camera up, and then the board of directors saw this and said, "Hey, why don't we put that in this Nate guy's co- uh, contract? That in case he violates, and we shoot him at this face." <laughs> it was also probably seen by Joel Hodgson and all the guys at MST3K because that's exactly what happened oh, to MST3K. That's so good. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, there are lots of crazy set pieces, like Batman and Robin fighting Subos on a train, right? running naked through a bathhouse, but still wearing the cowls to honor tradition. <laughs> yes, Jimmy, you told that story already. Yeah, you did that once. <laughs> And Bruce and Dick fighting samurai kabuki actors. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, Batman gets infatuated with. Wait, no, I excuse me. I'm going to back this up. That note is incorrect. That it's not Batman. It's supposed to be Godzilla. So you can cut all of this out. Godzilla gets infatuated with Batgirl at one point, and Batman deduces that he appears once every five years to find a mate. One ending even had them defeat Godzilla by making a giant female robot Godzilla who is carried off in infancy by Big G. (laughs) Apparently, they also read the Bride of Godzilla script. I think it's just the 60s where the solution was space and sex. <laughs> oh, you like this? Okay, fine, Jimmy. Fine, fine. <laughs> Thankfully, you you tend to solve things with space. <laughs> uh, the last scene has Batman, Robin, Bruce, and Dick. Yes, you read that correctly. Mm-hmm. All at a baseball game, but the last two have contracted laryngitis. They're revealed later to be robot doubles. This <laughs> sounds actually. I think that's been done on occasion in the comics uh, for Batman and Superman. I think. All right. This is the. <laughs> this is bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you thought Bride of Godzilla was nuts. This is a different kind of book. <laughs> yeah. So, it was, here's the crazy thing. It was scrapped because interest in the Batman show was waning at this point. Yep, Although yep. some people think that this may have eventually led to the movie that was made as a tie-in to the show. 
I haven't read about that, and I've read a lot about that. They think it might have. It might have just because they were like, hey, we need to make a movie. Oh, right. what's, what's one idea we have for a movie? How about we have Batman fight Godzilla? Ooh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's not going to happen? Okay, we'll do something else. You know, that sort of a thing. <laughs> oh. However. Some days you can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> no, you can't. Unless you have bat spray shark repellent. Yep. However, this does exist. It does. It's a fan comic. <laughs> and I have interviewed the creator on my show. We live in a golden age. <laughs> yes. uh, the first two issues are out, and issue three will be out this summer. Nice, nice. And some of those set pieces are in the comic. There nice. is a, They do fight sumos on a train. Now, they do change some things and expand on some things. It's they they dropped. You might be disappointed. They dropped Klaus Finster. Oh they, man! They, but they used an actual Batman villain who was not okay, on the okay. show. But they kind of did their own little, in, you know, like Batman sixty six interpretation of him. They replaced him with Hugo Strange. I was going to guess that it was Hugo Strange. I was like, replaced who was with Hugo Strange? That would have been all about control, Hugo. <laughs> but he was never on the show. So. No, no, he wasn't. Yeah. No, I, so the they have so it's like a Batman sixty six interpretation of him, and it hasn't quite been revealed yet. But like I said, I interviewed the creator, and if you haven't heard that episode, you should go listen to it, Mister Cook. I will. Uh, <laughs> they uh, he is in cahoots in the comic with Red Bamboo, the terrorist from Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. Yeah, this is one I want. Go on the website. You can read all. You can read the uh, the first two issues for free. Oh, I was going to say, like, keep up the amazing fan fan comic. I I went on the website. I didn't get the chance to read it, um, but I did see it, and I was like, I'm in for it. Uh, but this is also something I'd love to see in animated form. Although now. Yeah, without Adam West, it's not going to be the same. Exactly. I, was I mean, say those, like, those he, other he, two he, Batman 66-inspired movies were, were very fun, but it's because they still had Adam West. Yeah, they were they were incredibly bonkers. Um, oh, yeah, Shatner's two-face, baby. <laughs> that made me happy. Because I'm going to be honest with you, Shatner could have done Two-Face back in the 60s. <laughs> it would have been great. Shatner is, Shatner is so underrated for his comedy. Like, his comedic, his comedic chops, like, are just outstanding. Uh, he almost, if doesn't fully steal the show in Airplane 2, um, if he doesn't fully steal the show, he, he makes every moment of his limited screen time just outstanding. I have seen that man rap Shakespeare. Because <laughs> of course he did. Watch, <laughs> watch the movie Free Enterprise. He raps Shakespeare. He's he, also Shatner, tell, so. he also tells one of his fans while he's being bullied, because he's, he's, he's an illusion. It's, the, it's mm -hmm. in the kid's imagination. He's getting beat up for showing up at school wearing a Starfleet uniform from, uh, from TOS. And, well, no, he's getting beat up, and it's partly because he was wearing that. And then Shatner says, like, what are you doing, kid? This isn't worth it. It's just a TV show. Okay, fine. Why, did, why is the kid beating you up? And he said, 
He said Han Solo could kick Captain Kirk, uh, could beat Captain Kirk in a fight. And then Shatner has this really long, <laughs> and he looks at him and says, go kick his butt. <laughs> I'm censoring it for the kids, but that's basically what he said. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to, I'm going to carry us on because we got a lot to go through. Uh, yeah. A lot to go through and we're on a time crunch. <laughs> uh, so the next is Lost Filmation Godzilla series and movies. So these yeah, were filled with him. A little bit of, uh, a little bit of background. Uh, Filmation was involved with making the King Kong show. Oh, no, excuse me. That would have been Rankin and Bass. But they were yeah. an animation studio. Right. Um, so it was failed attempts at making animated spinoffs for Destroy All Monsters. No, after Destroy All Monsters. After Destroy All Monsters. Sorry. Um, their model would have seen the King Kong show. Would have or been. would have been the King Kong. I just can't read or words. Um <laughs> This well, that's, been, because, that's because you're Canadian and you say things wrong. But. Oh, sir. <laughs> it's been, not been. Listen. I'm listen, the dirty, listen. dirty American, okay? Because y'all are traitors to the crown and for some reason don't measure, like, go by miles and points of metric. Hey, hey. <laughs> you're not part of uh, the British Empire anymore either. It just took you longer. <laughs> We still honor. <laughs> we have universal health care. Anyway, <laughs> you're not going to lose your house going to the hospital. <laughs> Moving on. This is the most political I've gotten on a podcast in a while. And I'm not even the one bringing it up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you've established this, before you enunciate like a Brit. It's okay. <laughs> this would have been a series and two compilation movies. Um, it was scrapped because Latitude Zero underperformed and Toho rushed All Monsters Attack, a.k.a. Godzilla's Revenge, to have a New Year's movie. Um, and you added that uh, John LeMay theorizes that some elements might, have, might be in that film, like Manila's size changing. Mm-hmm. Because there's uh, some stuff kind of like that, apparently, and some of the ideas they were kicking around for these. And but so, is that, you know how there are animes that will do compilation movies where they take they take either whole episodes or excerpts from episodes and kind of edit them together into a movie? That's basically what this would have been. It would have been a TV show, and then they would have edited together some movies and put them out in theaters. So it would have been a cartoon version of Gamera Super Monster. <laughs> Don't remind me, I'm still stuck in the year of camera. <laughs> Not looking forward to that one. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't want to park here too long, but I'll say, like, so far, uh, and I'll, uh, to give it, I got to give it another shot. I, I do. I wasn't that infatuated or thrilled with the uh, Godzilla anime trilogy. Um, but I've, I've heard better things, so I do want to give it another shot. Um, Listen to my episode on it. You might have a deeper appreciation. I have. I've listened to your episode. I've also listened to Bex's episode, um, which we oh, were on. <laughs> great. We were, that was, those were the nicest podcast episodes I heard on that trilogy. Because <laughs> We all liked it on that show, and we were very nice to it. And more people need to be nice to the anime trilogy. 
Well, that's the thing. I'm not. I'm not trying to bag on it. At, at times, I'll be like something's bad, and then I'll be like, you know what? It just didn't connect with me. It might just. It just might not have been for me. Um, there are so- no bad Godzilla movies. There are just ones you don't like. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I go that far. <laughs> it's a mantra that some people have floated around in the fandom, and I kind of like it. But I, I, I like it. I'll agree with it for the most part. I just don't know if. Uh, I'd ever be like, Godzilla's Revenge. <laughs> Watch it in Japanese. It is so much better. That's fair. That's fair. It is so um, much better. And if you know the context, the cultural context for it, it enhances it quite a bit. And fair. honestly, I have a justification for the stock footage. But that's an episode for another time. <laughs> that's another episode. Um, so far, the only thing I'd say that's been Godzilla in a cartoon or animated form that I've thoroughly and continually enjoy is that nineteen, uh, that late nineties series based off of the terrible Godzilla nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, film. which we'll talk about a little bit because we got one of those coming up. <laughs> I know, I know, and that, that's actually we'll get to it. But that's one I'd be. I'd we'll be we'll for, save yeah. it for when we get to it. Will, All right, will, especially so. since we're getting to the spoiler warning, this is one I really, really want to ha- see exist at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't care how it exists. I want it to exist. The title doesn't sound all that interesting, but if you get once you get into even just a handful of details I have here about it, it is amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Godzilla versus the Space Monsters. This is one of two dueling drafts of a script that eventually became Godzilla versus Gigan, which is not my favorite Godzilla film. It's high on my list, but it is the one I will champion the most because it is one of, in my opinion, one of the most underestimated movies in the entire mm-hmm. franchise. Fight me. <laughs> uh, this one, this one was written by Kimura and does have similarities to Sekizawa's draft, which was called The Return of King Ghidorah. Mm-hmm. And it was Sekizawa's that was ultimately chosen. They went with his script, and then he made some modifications to it, took some of Kimura's ideas and put them in there, which is why I am shocked he didn't, Kimura didn't get a screenwriter credit on this, and I think that's ultimately what made Kimura just quit the screenwriting business because he basically disappeared after this. Yeah. So I think he's like, fine, you're not going to use my script, you're not even going to give me credit because the other guy took some of my stuff, screw you. And, yeah, because Kimura hated Toho. (laughs) He's like, you're a job, but I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, but that's a whole to-do. I. Danny DeMann and I did a presentation on Sekizawa and Kimura at G-Fest. It's on my podcast YouTube channel. Go watch nice. it. All right. Nice. So this script featured a monster called Majin Tuol, who was like Daimajin. You, you, you probably haven't seen Daimajin, the Daimajin trilogy from mm-hmm. Daie. No. I did some episodes on it last summer. Yes, Jimmy, you got beat up by Daimajin. That was funny. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, that, those are a feudal. Those are movies set in feudal Japan, and Daimajin is a statue that comes to life. Right. Okay. So we also have quote unquote 
Megalon. <laughs> the only, but the only diesels we have about Megalon <laughs> uh, is that he has eyes on the ends of antennae. That's it. And the main villain of this movie is an evil alien brain. Yes, I just said that. Named Miko. And he tries to conquer the world using TV propaganda. Well, he that... even says at one point he does not want to cause damage like Godzilla and Angus, because they are in the script, do while fighting the other monsters. So he tries to turn humanity against Godzilla and Angus. And he sends human emissaries out to spread his message. And at the end of the movie, he uses Ghidorah as his chariot. And this is the moment that he reveals that he is, in fact, a disembodied alien brain. Poor Ghidorah, man. Poor Ghidorah. <laughs> Always being jockeyed by people. Yes. Always being brain controlled. Yes. Gigan is in this. He appears while destroying satellites, which, interestingly, was a concept used by Mark Saracini in his books in the 90s. And obviously, like I said, Angerus is in it. The main characters are an inventor, a pilot, and two stewardesses, flight stewardesses, one of whom is an evil android. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. <laughs> and it takes place in science land which is not an amusement park like in the final film but a research facility and interestingly the name miko is used for an alien in the video game super godzilla on the super nintendo yep and if it isn't obvious already the reason this didn't get made is because it would be way too expensive <laughs> i want this to exist yes Oh much. Yeah. Give me I an mean, animated version concept, of that. The whole concept, it's like, it's, it's a very pulpy story with a lot of social commentary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I would have loved to see this. It's especially interesting when you know that Takeshi Kimura was a card-carrying communist. So the idea <laughs> of him writing about an alien brain using propaganda to take over the world. Bonkers. I, mean, I, I want this so bad. We live in a, we live in an age where like content is just constantly being made. Do it. Just give it an yeah. animated form. And also, um, I can't, I had to be brief with these notes, but uh, John's details over what the characters and such do. It sounds like these characters would have been really fun as they're running around trying to do stuff to deal with all of this. So I'm just and you know just like the ridiculous number of monsters and just oh my gosh I just ah uh, now there is a kind of a Dimagine pastiche that does make it into some Godzilla related media, which was actually during the Dark Horse comics. There is a one-off issue that has a giant statue, a samurai statue that comes to life and fights Godzilla. I forget what its name was. I think it's like Gakito Jin or something like that. So something like Majin Tuol does show up eventually. 
always with the matcha. Um, <laughs> she's got so many more. We gotta, we're gonna yeah. pick up the pace. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go. All right. So <laughs> with this title. <laughs> this one is uh, the run on sentence, the movie. Uh, Godzilla, Red Moon, Erebus, Hathlon, No Man's Land of the Monsters, a.k.a. Godzilla versus Red Moon. Um, in Okinawa, Godzilla fights the angry parents, one from space, one from Earth, of a baby monster killed by evil entrepreneurs. They want Erebus because her blood has miraculous properties. Yeah, Erebus is the mom. <laughs> <laughs> it may have involved... Uh, Subaraya. Subaraya? All right. Subaraya Productions, who took the concepts and made Daigiro versus Goliath to celebrate their 10th anniversary in 1972. Yeah. Subaraya so, Productions, for those who don't know, was founded by Eiji Subaraya, who was the big special effects guy at Toho for the, in the 50s and 60s. Uh, he unfortunately died in 1969. And they are the studio that makes Ultraman. Is getting a shin treatment coming up. Yep. <laughs> but that's a different episode for a different time. Yes. But um, I'm just letting everybody know that's what this is. So this would have been an interesting collaboration. It would have been, yeah. And Ultraman's huge in Japan. Huge. Ultraman's uh, an institution. <laughs> <laughs> um, some reports claim that the Son of Godzilla suit was to be used. And, and I, call has, that, I call that thing Frogzilla because it is the <laughs> ugliest Godzilla suit ever. <laughs> oh, but uh, now when you say Frogzilla, you're making me think of like Throg when they made Thor into a frog in the comics, oh, and it weirdly God. worked. Uh, now just picture like picture uh, a frog, but with Godzilla's tail and the dorsal fin. <laughs> Atomic press when it really, really. fan artist. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it was more in common with Gamera versus Baragon because it's more about the new the new monsters than the hero monster. Um, it's learned Barugon. <laughs> Barugon. Um, it's learned that smog weakens Red Moon, so Tokyo is encouraged to pollute more. Uh, you know, that Moon would not fly is, uh, today. Moon, uh, so Erebus is the mom is the mommy kaiju, and Red Moon is the daddy kaiju. That would definitely and not Halfon, fly. And Halfon is the baby. Oh my gosh! Um, it's learned. Oh wait, I read that part. So it's rumored to have a love. Oh my gosh! It's rumored rumored to have a love scene between Red Moon and Erebus. But all that happens is they stare at each other, nuzzle, leave, and the baby shows up later. I'm kind of automatically glad right now this movie didn't get made because the furries would have a field day and you wouldn't be able to escape this fan art. Like, it would seep in everywhere. Uh, You must be corrected. They would be scalies. That is the actual. Scalies. All right, my apologies. My apologies. And listener, uh, just trust that there's people who are into in every way things that we're not ever going to talk about on this podcast so don't google that let's just move on yeah <laughs> or if you google it make sure the safe search is on but don't do it <laughs> yeah. um but so basically so all of that happens but godzilla doesn't show up until the end <laughs> naturally <laughs> and he just shows up at the end basically uh, um and John LeMay theorizes that it wasn't made due to the ambiguous natures of the monsters. 
That and I can think of yeah. many other reasons. Well, yeah, but yeah, but because the opponents in that one really aren't evil. They're not yeah, bad. Yeah. They're just like we're just doing our thing. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's carry on. <laughs> yes. So now we have, and this is you'll notice that there's a lot of themes in this because we just mentioned that it, that one would have started in Okinawa. Well, we have. Another one in Okinawa. So here's another pattern that we see going on. This is the early 70s, you have to remember. Monsters Converge on Okinawa. Showdown at Cape Zanpa. Godzilla, Mothra, and Angerous battle a giant robot named Garugan made by evil aliens. It's basically the first draft of Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. <laughs> I'm like, I've seen this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was pitched by Sekizawa and written by Masumi Fuku- uh, Fukushima, a science fiction writer who helped with Matongo. It was set in Okinawa because those islands had just been returned to Japan, and a 1975 World's Fair called the Okinawa Ocean Expo would take place there. So Okinawa was big at this point. Yeah. Hence why... Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla in 1974 is set in Okinawa. <laughs> the main characters are introduced on a TV show and include a journalist with a secret sword, which is basically the MacGuffin, and Nami, who is a character in Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, but she is much more ur- uh, she is a much more urbanized Okinawan dancer in this one, as opposed huh. to the priestess in the final film. Right. And she has a much reduced role compared to what she would have had in this. The alien villains masquerade as a corporation and want to... This is great. They're not trying... This is... Okay. This is straight out of Hitchhiker's Guide. Because these aliens are not trying to conquer the planet because they're like, you have a resource we want. Or we need a new planet. No, 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 no. They're trying to conquer Earth so they can auction it off to the highest bidder. And the Nebulans, the cockroach aliens from Gigan, are mentioned as potential buyers. Oh, my gosh. I love this idea. (laughs) (laughs) And throughout the script, it has some James Bond-style set pieces, because, again, that was big at the time. And there's some of that in Mechagodzilla 74. Godzilla barely appears in it, making Angerus and Mothra the real stars. You see more of them going around doing stuff. Godzilla only appears, I think, like three times. You know, maybe. <laughs> they should have started the whole World of Godzilla thing a lot earlier, because then this could happen. <laughs> but here's what's kind of nuts. Mothra has no Shobajin in this, and acts a bit more violent than usual. The seeds for Batra were planted. <laughs> <laughs> so that's coming up. Oh, Batra's awesome. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> Yuki Tanaka put the kibosh on this because you thought Garugan, Garugan, however you want to say it, was uh, too generic. <laughs> and then we got Godzilla's robot double. <laughs> Which, I dig that one. <laughs> and, uh, as I'm going through this, it's like, well, the better choice was made. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> I'm going to move us along. All right, yeah, Jimmy, I think you might want to minimize the interruptions from here on out. Just say <laughs> Yep, we got a bunch of pages, and I'm running, we're running low on that. Um, all right, right so, pardon? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, all right. So next one is Hetero's counterattack and Godzilla versus 
Githra. Is this one title? <laughs> All right, so, oh, okay. These were two proposed Godzilla films from Godzilla vs. Hedera director Yoshimitsu Bano. Um, the first would have been a rematch between the smog monster and Godzilla in Africa, and the second would have been Godzilla fighting a giant alien starfish spawned by pollution in Okinawa, also featuring the Okinawa Expo. The later was nicknamed Godzilla vs. Hitoda by fans. Um, yeah, so, uh, Godzilla versus Starro, apparently. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> or um, uh, somebody just saw message from space. One of the <laughs> uh, Bono compared it to ET because it featured underground aliens. Um, it was deemed too outlandish and expensive, and the former is the inspiration for the for another kaiju source audio drama. Yeah, the uh, the heteros counterattack. So I forget what they called. I think they called something like Godzilla versus Hetera Two or something like that. But and yeah, Hetera's got a lot of love, so it would have been. And, and he's hardly appeared in anything. But let me tell you, as we go through this list, you will see. You know, Yoshimitsu Bond was like, I made one Godzilla movie, and I love it, and I'm just gonna keep doing stuff with that. So <laughs> let's keep going I, back to that. Well, he was a little okay. obsessed with the rematch for it might, it, World of Godzilla. Might be the time, man. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're wanting to do what, like a movie a year. <laughs> a movie every two years. Gotta hit these. Angerus is gonna get his time to shine, baby. <laughs> he was also, as you could tell, very, very obsessed with environmentalism. Because that's yeah. that is. Every every time he appears on this, it's all about environmentalism. My gosh. Man, I really hope we get Batra back. Anyways, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And now we come to another one of my favorites. Yeah. The title sounds ridiculous, but I love it. This, <laughs> this is, title oh, makes me, I'd be like, you get my money off the bat right now. Just I don't the, have to see anything, just for the title alone. Okay. <laughs> the title, which is Japan's SOS, Godzilla's Suicide Strategy. Like what? <laughs> Gotta love those uh, those Japanese titles. So Godzilla oh, yeah. battles an invisible robot monster, Chameleagon, who is made of special metal, making it's the titanium. <laughs> Indeed, Jimmy. Maybe you should build this thing. No one would know you ever built it. You could just tell people he's in your garage, and no one would know. <laughs> the, um. Making the humans think. So Godzilla fights this thing, and it makes the humans believe that Godzilla is no longer the good guy. He's no longer the hero. He's turned on him. That's one yeah, of the nah. of this. He then battles Chameleagon and Gigan while blind. I will explain that a little bit more as we go. It never got beyond some log lines and a three-page treatment by Hiroyasu Yamara. All right. The so here's some of the things that happened in this movie. Aliens invade the prime minister's house and demand he sell them land in Japan. The Mysterians, anyone? Seriously? The prime minister laughs it off, and someone later suggests it was a terrorist disguised as an alien. Huh. I love this idea. <laughs> I would actually prefer that it really was just terrorists pretending to be aliens. That would have been so interesting. The main characters are a reporter, a photographer, a scientist, and a pilot. 
the reporter. Here's what's a little bit different, though. The reporter is a woman, and her photographer is a man. And Emmy, the reporter, is in a Godzilla 54-style love triangle with the scientist and the pilot. Naturally. <laughs> so there's without great drama, drama for you right there. <laughs> Gigan is mysteriously resurrected because he died in Zone Fighter, which was an Ultraman-style TV show that uh, Toho was producing at the time that actually had uh, Godzilla and King Ghidorah show up in it. Oh, snap. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Good luck finding it, though. <laughs> it's never been released. In that archive. I'll see if it's there. Um, and can now, now, Gigan has a new superpower. He can make hurricanes. The go-to of the flying kaiju. Yeah. <laughs> and Camellia Gone is said to have a giant rotating saw. That's something that Gigan has. <laughs> Well, on his belly. (laughs) Some sources say Godzilla can see Chameleon because he's a tetrachromat, which is a real thing, by the way. Okay. It's a real thing in nature. He can see more. he, uh, He has more light receptors, so he can see a broader range of light. But the treatment says that the robot alerts Godzilla to its presence using sonar. I think Godzilla being a tetrachromat would be a little more interesting. Yeah. So here's the part that just that sells me on this. I mean, there's already some interesting stuff in here, but this is the part that sells me on this concept. And I want this to exist so bad. Godzilla fights Chameleon. So besides the fact that they, you know, the humans think he turned on him, the humans, because they think he turned on him, hit Godzilla in the face with a chemical weapon missile that blinds him. The aliens rejoice that they've made Godzilla public enemy number one at this point. And then, like I said, Godzilla has to fight both Chameleon and Gigan at the end of the movie while blind, so he's basically Zatoichi. And if you don't know who Zatoichi is, Zatoichi is a Japanese film character, he's almost like a James Bond because he's been in a gazillion movies since the 60s, and he's a blind swordsman. I didn't know about him. (laughs) There's a whole bunch, there's like I said, there's like about as many Zatoichi movies as there are Bond movies. And apparently Godzilla is fighting them using sound. That's all that the script says, that's all the treatment, I should say, says. I like that. Want this to exist. Yeah. So much. Because of the whole idea of playing on the concept of, of you know, uh, Godzilla turning on the humans and they don't trust him anymore, so they're paying attention to continuity, and then he has to he has to fight while blind at the end. And it's just so interesting. I want to see this. I really, really want to see this. And you know what's brilliant about it? I'm amazed that they didn't think that this could work. Because they wouldn't have had to build another suit, technically. <laughs> because Camellia Gong's invinci- is invisible. Exactly. <laughs> they, and they could have just recycled the Geigen suit. <laughs> Why didn't this get made? It's I something don't that, know. It's something that should. Um, <laughs> and it's also something where a little bit of it we got in... Mechagodzilla. Like that, that That's the thing. Yeah. No one is quite sure when this was put together. Yeah. 
none of the sources for it have dates on it, so they don't know if it was made before Mechagodzilla, which means some of it found their way into that movie, or if it was made afterward, so they were just recycling some stuff. Uh, so then, <laughs> uh, next up, we have the Godzilla revival meeting of 1978. So just to provide some context, uh, listeners, at this point, Godzilla was on hiatus. Um, Terror of Mechagodzilla was his swan song. Um, it wasn't officially like canceled or anything like that, but uh, Japanese cinema was on a bit of rough times financially, like across the board. And as much as by this point in the Godzilla films, they were being made as cheaply as possible, that's not an insult because like terror of mechagodzilla is it's a very underrated um underrated godzilla movie i actually watched it recently i was like man this is a great note for this era to go out on and mm-hmm. yeah, it was actually my first godzilla film and remains one of my favorites to this day to me in a lot of ways it feels like it's got some of that darker edge that the the heisei era does and it's out of all the out of all the the shawa shawa i know jimmy corrected me earlier so i'm just covering my bases. <laughs> uh out of all those other ones this is to me the one that captures that that kind of darker tone that the original had like it's not quite there it's it, no they're very different films yeah but and it's a lot it, of things in terror that brings it full circle exactly you know, you have Akihiko Harada playing a scientist again, but now, but this scientist is the villain, and, yeah. and uh, he dies at the end. Spoiler warning! And you know, there's there's a lot of thematic things that come back in yeah. terror. And ter- like terror is uh, to me, it's it's a great one, um, but it's it's just to provide that context. So that ended in uh, seventy seventy five five. Okay, right. five. But Tomoyuki Tanaka wanted to bring Godzilla back at some point. The initial plan was to put Godzilla out the pasture for 10 years or so. Then they would yeah. try. But Tanaka something, in the meantime was trying to get more ideas for movies. And it's something that, and that's a, that's a thing that Toho does with Godzilla repeatedly. Uh, at, they'll hit a point and they'll be like, sorry, <laughs> they'll hit a point and then they'll, uh, They'll be like, you know what? It's time to take a break. And it's never fully like, hey, they're gone. Um, but that's just to, to set this. So because this is a list of several, um, one that we hinted at earlier um, mm-hmm. that just never, like, never got there. In in the interim between Terror of Mechagodzilla and what would eventually be Return of Godzilla or as released in America or North America in 1985, Godzilla Returns. Um, so these were stuff that were pitched in that gap. So, um, this produced unmade concepts, including Godzilla versus the devil. <laughs> you heard me right. Um, <laughs> Godzilla versus Gargantua. The later was made into an audio drama by Kaiju Soros. Yeah. Um, so, uh, my notes will explain what that is in a second. <laughs> um, so it was held by Tanaka with Bono and Ken Tsunada from Toho and Tsunoda. Tsunoda. Um, and several outside critics. No one knows what exactly got what exactly was discussed. 
but several unmade projects came from it, such as Godzilla, God's Angry Messenger. I dig that title a lot. Um, <laughs> it had Aliens Create Godzilla. Don't like that part. <laughs> it had Aliens Create Godzilla by experimenting on dinosaurs, uh, putting him in suspended animation, and he hatches from an egg in present day as the last judgment. Part of that I like. Like <laughs> Godzilla being this, uh, like this sounds a little bit more like the force of nature aspect, and that I dig. I um, it almost sounds like it's supposed to be like Godzilla is the embodiment of the wrath of God, like he's the specter or something. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting Gamera, um, Guardian of the Universe vibes. A little bit. So <laughs> I, that one color me intrigued. Um, well, the thing is, is, I think somebody was just like, that's such a great idea. Because there's a lot of projects, I think, that came out of this meeting. And to a small, to a lesser extent, some of the projects we're, we'll get into after this. But we're pulling yep. off of that concept. <laughs> um, so then the next note has uh, Ryan, Mitch, Re- <laughs> Ryu, and no, Rio, Rio? Rio. I, I'm done, man. Uh, Rio. Uh, Mitsuse. Mitsuse, perfect. Rio Mitsuse, I got it. Uh, one draft where Godzilla and Nessie, yes, that's right, the Loch Ness Monster Nessie, uh, were created by aliens on Venus, of all places. Calm down, Jimmy. Calm down. I know Venus triggers you, but that's okay. <laughs> and he admitted strange light. Um, dinosaurs commit suicide upon hearing Godzilla roar. He also makes people in a village commit suicide. It has, it also has Godzilla interacting with people in Atlantis and King Nibrod and the Tower of Battle. Yeah. So it's this really dark, dark film where Godzilla has apparently been appearing throughout the course of human history. Yeah. If people are basically anything living hears him, they kill themselves. It's just, what? Yeah. Um, there's aspects of that I like, and then there's other aspects I don't. It, <laughs> I have a feeling some of that must have been Yoshimitsu Bano's influence because it reminds me a bit of Prophecies of Nostradamus, which he wrote and was the uh, second unit director on. Right. And the movie is banned, so have fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, like, the emitting of strange light, it's making me think of... Uh, 2019's King of the Monsters, where it's that that kind of oh, display yeah, where I'm like intimidation like, display. At least that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that kind of thing that I enjoy. Or if it like if it wasn't the committing suicide part, but if it was the freaking out and causing them to behave abnormally, then that that I'm down for because it's like it's there's a, this. It's a strangely Lovecraftian sort of idea to be. Honest. Yeah. It's, well, episodic and Kubrick-esque. <laughs> yeah, this sounds like a Stan, uh, like a Stanley Kubrick Godzilla movie. It really does. Um, another draft starts in Stonehenge and features an all-consuming algae. Fuck. I understand why that one didn't go. <laughs> Godzilla versus algae. Uh, I don't think it was versus algae. It was just another element of the story. 
Yeah. Um, this was supposedly shown to Henry G. Saperstein, who, insi- who instead pitched Godzilla versus the Devil, which had Godzilla fight Satan himself, which some think might have been Godzilla versus Bagan. Bagan. You're going to hear about that critter a lot coming yep. up. And, the uh, most famous Toho monster that never got made. Yep. World of Godzilla, man. His dinosaur. <laughs> um, next up, we got Godzilla versus Gargantua was apparently another Saperstein idea that was pitched. It would have been a sequel to War of the Gargantuas featuring Godzilla. Which, again, was made into an audio drama by Kajusaurus. There we go. And then uh, Sekizawa contributed with a treatment called The Anger of Godzilla that would have had him resurrected in the infamous Suicide Forest. Yeah, uh, which Bex and I talked about in our episode on Rebirth of Mothra 3. Yep, and that's the GMK. And that forest has a lot of tragic history that unfortunately some mook on YouTube who I refused to name to not give him attention did a disrespectful video in, so never mind that guy. He's apologized, and I hope it's genuine, but that forest has a lot of symbolism and a lot of tragedy, so it's a touchy thing to try to adapt, but if you're going to do it, you got to do it well. And I can understand that at that time, Maybe not including it with Godzilla. That kind of makes sense. Um, and then the final note we have here, and it's the note we're, we're hopping out on because, listener, there are so many of these things that we're not going to crunch it in one. Uh, that does a disservice to you. It does a disservice to this material that was never made. And that's just utterly baffling, but also crazy interesting. Um, so we're going to do a part two coming soon. But this final one was <laughs> another pitch called The Godzilla, which, side-handed, how often is it now that we, when we get a reboot of something, it's The. <laughs> <laughs> the Suicide Squad. <laughs> the Suicide Squad. Or it's like, okay, it's a loose sequel, but like we're the good one. So it's The Suicide Squad. The Batman. The Wolverine. <laughs> Like So, The Godzilla, which doesn't roll off the tongue, um, would have somehow tied into Noah's Ark. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, Godzilla to- told Noah to have ev- uh, two of every creature, so... Godzilla caused the... God used Godzilla to cause the flood, Cause maybe? The Why not? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if Godzilla at the end of... After the Ark, and they have to fend him off? At the end of the movie, like, the Ark settled on Godzilla's dorsal fins, and that was the mountain they walked down. (laughs) Godzilla takes the Ark over to where it's supposed to be. I mean... Oh, my gosh. There is so much that is both awesome and terrible about that. All of I know. The on one time. hand, I'm like, never do this. But on the other hand, I'm like, I kind of want to see this. <laughs> like, I just want to see where this was going. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, maybe it's, not a full... it's like one of those things I remember uh, Linkara was... Uh... Yeah, he said something like this when he was talking about a comic book that a list that one of his viewers told him to review just for this because 
<laughs> which basically involved the Greek God showing up at Jesus's crucifixion and then taunting him. And then oh. Jesus jumped off the cross and proceeded to kick all their butts. Oh, man. <laughs> and Linkara said, as a Christian, I find this both terrible and awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> well, and this, I'd be like, okay, maybe not, maybe not even a comic. Like, just, I, I need more detail. Give me more detail. <laughs> yeah, there isn't a whole lot. There was a lot I'm of stuff that came out of it. So. I'm interested, and I kind of want to. Like, I want to know more about. I, I'm that. trying to figure out just Godzilla fighting state. I mean, there is a comic book series called Godzilla in Hell, but it's yeah. not quite this. But I don't know. But maybe Mephisto can say, "Hey, I'm going to. I don't know. Take your son away because you don't have a wife. So okay." <laughs> Oh, doggy! <laughs> Sorry, one sec. I was. Uh, we're wrapping up now. We're going to do a part two next week. That's me. Oh, <laughs> Nathan says hi, hon. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> don't remember your wife's name because I'm terrible. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So I think that's a that's a good point to wrap it. Uh, Luna is also desperate for play, and I owe this puppy. Um, so, dear listener, we will be back next week with part two, where we're jumping into more recent of the Amaze. We're jumping into what's probably my my bias era of Godzilla, the, the Heisei era. That was my gateway, um, and it's my favorite Godzilla design. And anyways. <laughs> yes, Jimmy, I'm not looking forward to trying to convince the Canadian Air Force to let us fly that robot through here again. So <laughs> we'll we'll make a deal. We'll make a deal. Yeah, Our we'll Air Force deal. isn't that big. Our army isn't that big. So it's like six guys <laughs> drinking some Canada dry in a ice fishing with hockey sticks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, given the exchange rate, if any, if one of the airplanes in your Air Force crosses the U.S. border, it uh, it turns into you know, like a drone or something, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> our, our our soldiers are keepers of the peace. Although when they do fight, they fight greatly. But that's a different topic for a different time. <laughs> All right, so uh, dear listener, thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the episodes that Nathan plugged on here. And uh, we will also continue to be plugging next episode yes. when we come back with part two of Godzilla Made. Uh, Godzilla Unmade. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoy, and God bless, my friends. Take care. <laughs> Sayonara. Peace. Hey, everyone. This is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio. And today we are rejoined by my friends and yours, Nathan Marchand and the intrepid producer, Jimmy the Awesome. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Hello, One Cross Radio listeners again. <laughs> <laughs> We're making a habit of making trips across... Well, I can't say the pond, that's the Atlantic, but across the ocean here to Canada land, but I'm getting to that, Jimmy, because you seriously need to work on your scheduling. I'm saying I'm just saying, as a producer, you're dropping the ball. We got held up 
trying to cross into Canadian airspace with Uber Mogura. Apparently, since the last time we were here, the uh, the city that you live in, they complained about the huge indentations that Uber Mogura left in that dog park, and then that got all the way to, what is his name, Trudeau? Got all the way to Trudeau, and then they heard that that robot was coming back, and they're like, no, you're not coming. And then Jimmy had to negotiate with them in order for us to get passage into here. And you know we did park in the in that dog park again, but I let me tell you, Canadian bureaucracy is not fun. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> bureaucracy is universal, my friend. Yeah. Oh yeah, and listener, right before we were uh, we started recording, and I think it's I I think it's fair. It's a good segue. Uh, we finally have a good segue. We were talking about the um, the excellent depiction of the pros and cons of bureaucracy in the, uh, in my opinion, fantastic Shin Godzilla movie. And why I'm saying this is an excellent segue is because we are back to looking at the unmade, the many unmade films of Godzilla. Yeah, we got through about, what, the first 20 years' worth, and now we have about 30 <laughs> to go. 30 years' worth to go, I should oh say. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, but we are, uh, the nice thing with these is I'm finding there's one, uh, most, a lot of these didn't have as many notes, like have, have as much craziness to them, uh, but also we're in a more recent era, because now we're in the, uh, the Heisei. Heisei. Uh, the Heisei. Yep, the Heisei era. <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to say it right. <laughs> listen, uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be like the frequent changes in pronunciation of Ghidorah and Ghidorah. It's borderline <laughs> interchangeable. Uh, so it's, it's, no one can agree on how to say that monster's name. Not even the scientists on Monster Island. Seriously. Well, Nobody can agree. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, even though in the case of... Hey, say I know it is. It's just unfortunately it's been pronounced. I say, or I've heard it that way uh, often enough um, that it's it's. I'm still working on it not being into. Okay, if it but. helps you feel any better, the first time I read it, I think I read it as he see or something like that. I know I said it wrong for years, and then I actually what started hearing it pronounced. There was a I just can't remember the name, but this uh, this monster this other kaiju themed podcast uh who they went in depth through all the godzilla movies um and i know they they shouted you out and i think they did the uh one of the kaiju quarantines with you um monsters versus men yes yeah i know yes, those guys they're cool yeah alex um, and eric they, yeah they were they shout out to them i i really enjoy their podcast but i know when they were first getting to the uh the Heisei era. I think they were saying it like the. No, it was Eric. Uh, Eric was saying it wrong, but Alex was saying it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just that pronunciation. I was like, that's not even close. Like at least, at least with Heisei, it's in the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the ballpark. This and like, there's extra vowels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's uh, but that's okay. But yeah, we're we're getting into it. If I want to be technical. Technically, the Heisei era, because the, the, for those who don't know, when we talk about Showa and Heisei, and currently we're in the Reiwa era, 
Japanese yep. the Japanese use the reigns of the particular emperor to denote different eras, and the names that they give them these are basically the posthumous names that they kind of give them ahead of time. It's not the yep. their given names, and so they mark time doing that. So the so Showa is actually technically in terms of the reigns of the emperors I uh show up I remember I don't remember the exact year but I think it should be about the early 30s through 1989 yeah and well, which the, and he was the long uh that was uh Hirohito emperor Hirohito if I remember correctly mm-hmm. and he's the longest reigning emperor in Japanese history mm-hmm. and well, so um <laughs> technically when we get when we talk about like return of Godzilla cuz a lot of these first batch of movies that were unmade movies we're going to talk about have connections to Return of Godzilla. That was 1984, but because the next movie that was released, Godzilla vs. Biollante, was after his son came, uh, you know, took the throne. Since it's technically part of the same series, it gets grandfathered in. Yeah, and and, and to me that makes makes so much sense as well, just because of the the frequent continuity between the the Heisei um, era of films. And then also it seems to get a little bit, some of the definitions as times go, time goes on, it seems to get a little bit looser. Like uh, Gamera, for example, uh, when people tend to talk about the Gamera Heisei era, the brave often gets grouped in, even though technically um, if we're basing it off of the other eras, like it would be the millennium. Era. If you go by Godzilla standards, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I know with Godzilla standards, like going forward, technically they're like the Rayway, the is it Rayway, Rayway or Raywa? Raywa. Uh, I know. I've even seen on a couple like kaiju seemingly official in-depth good websites, like they're like the Raywa era has ended and Godzilla world or universe whatever, and like that's the era we're in now. Um, so it's like, huh? Okay. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's a little confusing. Yeah. I no yeah. one's. We're still trying to work out how it all is supposed to be categorized. Trust me, as the film curator on the island, I'm having trouble trying to figure this out because nobody <laughs> can agree. Anyway, but uh, yeah. let's get into this, shall we? Uh, that's enough of this yeah. chit chatting. Because you know, <laughs> since we lost time at the border, we got to get through stuff. Yep, yep, before, right. the, before the border gets busy again. Um, yes. <laughs> all right, so let us, uh, so the first one on the docket we have is a second potential version of The Bride of Godzilla. Yes. Bride of Godzilla, in my notes I have it as Bride of Godzilla version 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so this is similar to the first, uh, Bride of Godzilla that we talked about in our first episode, um, but instead of it being a machine, it was you know, the giant robot lady. Yeah, was uh, a female Godzilla or potentially a female Mecha Godzilla? <laughs> yeah, it depends on the draft. There were a couple different drafts of this one, but uh, also, keep in mind, keep in mind, this got brought up because Tomoyuki Tanaka, the big producer of Toho, for some strange reason. Loved this concept from back in the fifties. The the other thing is, like, how would it be a female Mecha Godzilla? Mecha Godzilla. I, I don't know. 
<laughs> I'm just going off of what John said in his book. John LeMay, personal friend oh, of no, mine no, who's no. done so much research on this. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not questioning John or you. I don't, I don't like. know. I, I, metal boobs? I, I, I'll, 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 <laughs> yes, Jimmy, I went there. Deal with it. I don't know, a nice little hourglass figure with some big old birthing hips? I mean, come on, Godzilla has had giant thighs for a really long time. My friend Michael is, actually has a, a Twitter post going viral as we speak where he said, Godzilla thighs save lives. And I mean, <laughs> Well, yeah, no, uh, Godzilla, the he's the, a thick uh, boy. <laughs> Godzilla monster verse. He's a big boy for boy. He's a big boy. Anyway, <laughs> he, did, uh, so he will not body shame. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you call? We, we, okay, monster verse Godzilla is a power lifter. I'm, no, don't call him fat. He's a power lifter. That's all muscle, boy. <laughs> well, uh, even even uh, I, I go, you can be big without. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're getting off track. You, uh, what's yeah. the next note? Because you started. Uh, so it was written by Shuichi Nagahara, uh, who wrote the War in Space. Otter show <laughs> yes, away Jimmy. For... That's very important to you. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Um, Otter still it paves the way for Return of Godzilla, um, which is interesting. Just because so far, I'm like, I don't really see any similarity. Keep going. Um, the robot daughter is now a normal girl. It's set on an island and not an underground kingdom. Most of the monsters are removed except for Godzilla and the bride. Okay, so that's yeah, a little Compared bit. Compared to uh, the 50s version. Yeah. Which if yeah, you haven't heard uh, that yet, listeners, go back and listen. <laughs> well, and then also Godzilla, like in Return of Godzilla, it was also just Godzilla and the, the Super Mac. It wasn't. Godzilla versus anybody. It mm-hmm. was just, he was the only kaiju outside of like the sea louse thing, which mm-hmm. kind of gets grouped in. Um, it also speaking of which, <laughs> giant blood sucking sea fleas. So there we go. Um, <laughs> the mermaid is supposed to be like show showbizin for Godzilla. Um, the female <laughs> Godzilla is piloted by Doctor Shida, who detonates it in Tokyo Bay to kill Godzilla. Just, um, which, which is, is similar to the pre, the fifties version. Yeah, no, it's a, it's except a good doctor, she, Except the doctor who made it wasn't piloting it. <laughs> well, piloting <laughs> the robot. Also, and it also ending in Tokyo Bay is a fitting uh, full circle thing to uh, the original Gojira. Um, a second draft had a Bermuda Triangle in the Pacific, mermaids. <laughs> In an underground civilization under a volcano, <laughs> and a uh, a female Godzilla, which I a will draft. admit is a concept I'm surprised nobody's really tried in any I'm, official media. I'm honestly like, as I'm reading that, I'm just like, how did this not get adapted into the 1998 live action Godzilla, or not live action, the Godzilla cartoon series? Well, like, all of this, I'm like, I could watch. Well, this. Zilla <laughs> Junior did have a girlfriend sort of for an episode. True, true. He fell in love with like he fell in love with Nessie. <laughs> that exists, oh. people. That exists. Oh, we yeah. don't have the Loch Ness monster on the island though. No, no. Nessie Nessie is a and then a third draft had Godzilla and a son in the Arctic. 
a young couple as protagonists, a female Godzilla, mermaids in a volcano, and the monsters getting nuked by the U.S. and Guam. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that third draft is very different. Um, it's... I'm not going to lie. It's kind of one I want to see, but also like not one. It's, it's well, like, like I said, the <laughs> 50s version exists as an audio drama now, a fan-made sure. audio drama. And my friend Danny DeManna from the Godzilla Novelization Project voiced Dr. Sheeta. So it's not <laughs> this one. The, the 70s version it would be interesting for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on one hand, it's... On one hand, you're like, you like the idea of there being another Godzilla, but also the more you try to, I find the more Godzillas you add outside of, say, Junior or even Manila, um, I don't know, I find it lessens Godzilla's impact. It's just kind of like, I'm interested, but also, eh, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, This is one, if we were, again, maybe not a cartoon show, but... Uh, a comic, a comic adaptation of this is something I'd be interested in, or an audio drama. Yeah, it's yeah. not one I'm out and out like, nope. <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> there are a few on here where I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah, there's somewhere I'm like, this just sounds stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we get to the next one because, and like I said, the next few are going to be uh, all going to be a lot of things got cherry picked from these and got thrown into Return of Godzilla. You'll notice, like the blood sucking fleas, because yeah, yeah, because you know, we we have giant sea louse. In yeah. the, in Return of Godzilla, but another theme you're going to be seeing, at least in these titles, is the word "resurrect" or "resurrection" is going to start showing up a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, from here oh, on yeah. out. This first one will be uh, this first one. <laughs> you'll start seeing it. It's called "King of the Monsters: Godzilla Resurrected," which okay, that is an awesome title. <laughs> like, I actually, as soon as I'm like I. I don't care about the rest of the pitch. I haven't read it. I just love that title because it, it, it to me that is a great way to also embrace the uh, the American release. Like for uh, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is what it is. It's got a place, but that that moniker has become very associated with Godzilla. So it has. And also, the interesting thing is that it was invented by Americans. Yeah, it's. And that just works as that just works as a title. Like you can picture that in like showing up on a screen in credits, on a poster, in a comic. It's it's a fantastic title. So yeah. even if nothing else from it gets used, somehow we got to use this title. Yeah. But anyway, so this is a direct sequel to the 1954 film, and as I've been hinting at, it eventually mm-hmm. became Return of Godzilla slash Godzilla 1985, or elements of it did. Uh, it has the Bermuda Triangle Vortex, the Fleas, mm-hmm. and the Underwater Cavern from Bride of Godzilla. It also has Dr. <laughs> Hayashida from Return of Godzilla. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's you're kind of seeing how things are transitioning to what we eventually got. It also yeah. features a subplot cut from Return of Godzilla, terrorists steal plutonium from a nuclear plant. This attracts Godzilla, and he chases him through an amusement park. I actually that would have liked awesome. to have seen this. Yeah. 
Because that would have added some interesting bits of tension that weren't there originally. Well, I'm also trying to figure out just because eventually in return, like, Godzilla was bumped up. Like, he was substantially taller. He was 30 meters was. taller. Uh, taller. Yeah. Yeah. Which is quite a size difference. Even Akira Fukubuke uh, was just like, uh, Godzilla's not that big. I'm not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same point, like, because then you're like, the scale of Godzilla to a, uh, a theme park. I'm picturing ones in the States, like picturing Godzilla at Disney World, like peeking around the mountain. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it would also be an it would have been an interesting throwback to one of the inspirations for Godzilla, the Beast in Twenty Thousand Fathoms, right? Which ended at an amusement park. Listen to my episode on that. We talked about the history of amusement parks in that episode, in connection to that movie. Anyway, so the next point I have is uh, <laughs> the protagonist's wife goes into labor while Godzilla attacks Tokyo. And he later finds her dead in the hospital's rubble. Dark. Yeah, what a downer. <laughs> it ends, and then it ends like Return of Godzilla, but also has combined U.S. and Soviet forces fighting Godzilla. So if you've seen the end of Return of Godzilla, it's basically the same, but <laughs> apparently the Americans and the Russians are all teaming up against him. Well, and... That kind of makes sense because the Cold War was such a huge yeah. thing. Return Japan, of Godzilla know, is like, the only true Cold War Godzilla film, yeah. which is what makes well, it really interesting. And Japan felt like they were in the middle. <laughs> yeah. It's fair. Um, yeah. There is aspects of this that I, I really enjoy seeing. Um and that bleak part about the wife going into labor, but then he finds the wife dead and presumably the child. Um, that to me is a callback to just some of the bleakness and darkness that we got in the original. Um, like, of course, that scene where the mom is like, we'll be with dad who's dead soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, says, uh, she what? says we'll see your father soon. Yeah, yeah. But... It's that kind of thing where I'm like, I, I enjoy this in Godzilla movies. Like, not when it's the point, because it's not being done out of malice. It also just shows the, the toll. And it gives that, it, it, hit, it adds to it. Instead of just seeing a bunch of stuff and property damage, you're like, oh, no, there's also lives. So it adds an impact. Yeah. So like, there's aspects of this that I, that I like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, well, let's move on to the next one, and I hope you've got some LSD ready, because this one is wild. <laughs> yes, Jimmy, I know you have a soft spot for this one, because space. <laughs> but this one is nuts. All right, so, yeah, this one, and you're going to get my authentic reaction, because I didn't read ahead on this one. Oh, um, <laughs> oh I don't know if you're ready. <laughs> so... Like, this is one where I, I've done research, so I'm aware of it. I recognize the title, but I don't really remember any details. So this is going to be fresh. Um, so this one is called A Space Godzilla. Not to be um, confused with the big with, crystal Godzilla that was spawned from a black hole. And let me tell you, <laughs> my, my crystal-obsessed pseudo-sister, Jessica, is yep. mildly obsessed with him. I think she wants to, like, somehow 
get onto Space Godzilla and like chip off a little piece so she can wear it as a necklace. <laughs> well, I was going to say like the appropriately and bluntly named Space Godzilla, um, which has a few like has a much bigger following than I ever knew. I learned that over the past couple of weeks. Like Space Godzilla, the movie itself isn't as enjoyed out of some of the other uh, Heisei era films, um, but Space Godzilla. Him, him or herself is a very enjoyed and beloved monster. So I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I, I dig the, I dig Space Godzilla uh, myself. So I'm like, that's that's really cool. I'm gonna. I'm oh gonna, man. What what? Oh, just just read the notes. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna carry on for this film that was not made. Um, so this was originally a story published in Starlog magazine but was rejected as a possible film by Toho. It was based on an idea by Nobuhiko Obayashi, um, who directed House. All right, I need um, to explain this. House okay. is a 1970, 1970s horror movie that was made by Toho. It was, interestingly, released on Blu-ray by Criterion. It is one of the most insane things I have ever seen. <laughs> I was going to say, just like, a, it's it, the plot is not what makes it interesting. It is because it is absolutely insane with its special effects and its imagery. The plot is really just a group of Japanese girls who are all friends try to stay the night in a haunted house. That's it. But it's insane. I, that's the most I'm, I can say about it. It is absolutely insane. I'm kind of intrigued by that movie. Um, oh, just, look, just try like, looking up. The trailer or some pictures or whatnot from the movie, it does not do do it justice. It is just a taste of the insanity that it is. But uh, for those of you who have seen House, hearing that, and then when we get into the rest of this, you'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to make the distinction, like, I'm glad you added what it was, because I was just going to do not be confused with the show starring Hugh Laurie. Yes. Uh, but then there's another person who was involved in the print version of this who is noteworthy. I, on a total side note, I would love a, a kaiju movie with Hugh Laurie involved, just because Hugh Laurie is fantastic. <laughs> um, moving on. <laughs> so it would have been stop motion. No, animation. no, you missed one. You missed one. There's one? another okay. noteworthy person from the print version. Oh, right. It was illustrated by Kat. Katushiro Otomo, uh, who created Akira. So think about this. Those two guys trying to, uh, making a Godzilla story that someone tried to make into a movie. I'm just leaving it at that because it's that insane. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would have been, uh, it would have had stop motion animation and an alien Godzilla in space. Um, the music would have been done by Japanese rock band uh, Godego. Godego. I don't, I don't think it... Godego. Godego. My apologies. Um, I could be wrong, but that's what I think. <laughs> okay. The per Here's oh. the crazy part. <laughs> so the protagonist is a five-year-old girl named Momo who discovers Godzilla's corpse on a beach. He died from diabetes. <laughs> what? Um... His body is then autopsied and his intestines and organs removed by cranes. Godzilla's Which actually, brain... that would have been kind of cool to see. I will admit, 
The closest we get to that is in the otherwise bad uh, King Kong Lives. There's a scene where they do open-heart surgery on Kong, and they have to use a crane to remove remove his heart and put in an artificial one. Anyway, continue. (laughs) Um, Godzilla's brain lives and resonates with a frequency from a dark nebula. Momo hides in Godzilla's carcass and a baby Godzilla growing inside. I'm seeing. I'm now picturing some stuff we got from Pacific Rim. Um, <laughs> they bring in a psychic woman to communicate with the brain and learn the monster is a female alien named Roseanne. Rosen <laughs> from Rosen. Sorry, um, from the planet Godzilla. Rosen's body is repaired with the baby inside it, put into a rocket, and sent back to her home world. In space, Rosen fights alien birds, gives birth to a child named Ririn, and throws her eyes into space to kill the birds, which explode. On Earth, Momo loses an eye and has to wear a patch. Upon returning to planet Godzilla, they discover it has been overrun by aliens called Sumerians who look like the Earth monsters of old, including sphinxes. Burin and his son, Kunin, lead a rebellion against them. What is this movie? <laughs> I know, it's like three things all smashed together. Because you have this weird, this weird kaiju story, plus it's aliens, plus... Conan the Barbarian or something at the end. <laughs> like, because they go back and they find, I think my notes might be a little off on this, but they, I think because uh, they find Rosen's husband or whatever, it's the baby's father, and then they lead this rebellion to save their planet. Honestly, my, my hang-up with this, if you, if you make it, Literally any other kaiju, like create one for this. I'm I'm on board with this movie a bit in all its ridiculousness because um, it, that's entertaining. But I'm like, this has nothing to do with Godzilla. I know that is <laughs> probably any... its biggest issue. You could this could be anything. The fact that it's Godzilla doesn't really bring anything special. No, and that to me, like that detracts from it. That makes me not interested. It's it's like a huge reason that the uh, 1998 Godzilla film has such one of the many reasons that that has a lot of issues with people within the Godzilla fandom is like this isn't Godzilla. This has nothing to do with Godzilla. and uh, rebranding it Zilla, and then also the IDW comics of, and the show, uh, that animated show, have gone a long way in uh, restoring that. But this, I'm like, this has nothing to do with Godzilla. And we had that a bit with the, the, the Showa-era films, like how, eventually getting to King Kong versus Godzilla. Like, Godzilla wasn't originally in that. Um, no. They added him, but then it's like, this works, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it can still be there. Um, and if it makes sense, this, I'm like, there's no Godzilla here. Like, this is, <laughs> it, this it, is it, not it, the Godzilla it, you are looking for. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it's, it's like, it, it, when you can change it to literally anything else and the story then become better, I'm like, that's how you know this doesn't need to be Godzilla. 
Um, so that's why I'd be interested a bit in this absurdity. Um, otherwise, I'm like, yeah, I get a thousand percent why this didn't get made. <laughs> like, I not would, only is it I, I kind of want to read the original story from Starlog because it just I, I would like yeah. to see this realized in its original comic book form. Yeah, that that that'd be interesting. Um, him dying from diabetes is funny, but also weirdly <laughs> I don't specific. Understand. That's just what John said. I'm like. I'm going off of what John says. Otherwise, this sounds like some bizarre parody. God, after all of this time, it's like it's it's almost like a War of the Worlds, where the world throws everything at the Martians and nothing can stop them, and then they get killed by the common cold. It's like the world does everything to kill Godzilla, and then he just gets diabetes and dies. <laughs> Exactly. Wilfred Brimley shows up and just says, diabetes. Yeah, he just stands next to Godzilla's corpse and he says, let me tell you something. You don't want to be like this lizard. I'll also say now, I know people who listen to my show have diabetes. We're not making fun of you. I love you guys. And I'm in line to get it. So this isn't mocking. It's, it's thrown in my family history. So it's quite probable. It's not to make fun. Um, <laughs> it's okay. We riff because we love. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this is this one for me is more so like a. If you change the monster, then sure. Then uh, give me a cartoon movie of this because <laughs> I feel like the animated realm. I is, feel like this and, would be a wonderful, insane drug-induced anime. Yeah, an anime or uh, a comic, um, I think those uh, those mediums would make this a lot more digestible, um, especially, um, but for me, it hinges on it not being Godzilla, just because I'm like, yeah. this isn't Godzilla, none of this is, and if you tell me it is, I'm not reading it because it's not accurate. <laughs> it's just so crazy. All right, so on to the next one. And we yeah. have the similarly titled as uh, uh, to one that we've already talked about, just Godzilla Resurrected. Yep. And this one is noteworthy because you're going to see this name pop up a lot. <laughs> this is the first film to feature the popular unused, in, uh, air quotes up to the mic, as Luke Jack and would say, unused kaiju Bagan. That's how I say it. I've also heard it pronounced Bagan. Bagan. Or yeah, there you go. But I say Bagan. That's what it looks like to me. It, to you know, that's what it looks like to this dirty, dirty American right now. That he's Bagan. Well, rhymes Bagan with Bagan. Well. You know <laughs> what? Yeah, that, I, I'm I'm with you. I read it as Bagan. To me, it's Bagan. There's nothing that would add a different sound to that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. if it was yeah. an extra G, then sure, I'd be yeah. like, yeah, Bagan. Yeah, but but uh, basically to kind of. I think the notes might explain a little bit, but basically Bagan is a name that's been used for several different kinds of kaiju. They tried to get this monster into multiple scripts for basically like the next 10 years, 10, 15 years throughout the 80s and all the way into the mid-90s. Never happened. This monster has made a whopping one appearance in an actual thing that wasn't just like, hey, look, here's this weird monster we're, uh, we're going to put into this PC software that you can put on artwork that you can print. And that was in the Super Nintendo game, Super Godzilla. Right, Bacon is right. the final boss in that. Right. That is the only official appearance that he's really made. 
Godzilla, uh, World of Godzilla. Now's the time. <laughs> I don't know if anyone cares anymore, but there are people in the fandom who are mildly obsessed with this thing. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, we haven't found a real Bagan yet, so there is no Bagan on the island. Just curious, has Matt, Frank, um, done any art? Because he did the, like, he had his, like, fan, uh, fan art Godzilla near, uh, Neo. Um, did he do one for Bacon? I, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if he has, but I uh, I don't know. Anyway, I love I love his Godzilla Neo artwork. It's crazy interesting. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, in this version, Bacon is a shape shifting monster who fights Godzilla. Now, this unmade film had two drafts, including one by Nagahara. <laughs> yes, the War in Space guy. <laughs> in this Bagan has three forms a dragon, an ape, and a water beast in the second draft these combine into something that looks like a totem pole and he is said to be from Chinese mythology hmm. it also has a vehicle called the super beetle and later the flying angel and giant basu which is basically the forerunner to the super X I messed up that name earlier. <laughs> what? I messed up that name earlier. What name? Anyway, the Super X. I think oh. I called it the I called it the Super Mech when we were talking about. Oh well. Stuff I, that somehow uh, neither Jimmy or I heard that. It'll be fine. <laughs> it also <laughs> has the blood sucking fleas from Bride of Godzilla version two. They were determined to get them. Yeah, they were. <laughs> they really love that idea. Uh, it doesn't end with Godzilla defeating Bagan. There's a Sarazawa-like character who invents something called Raconium that is launched uh, from a satellite called Redbird to kill Godzilla. I like that. Um, I also like the name Raconium because it's uh, it's much more inventive than uh, space, space titanium. titanium. <laughs> space titanium. Just adding space to stuff doesn't always work. Space Godzilla? Sure. That's fine. <laughs> Jimmy disagrees with you, but okay. <laughs> Jimmy, I, I, I love you. We'll, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah. The second draft was more dramatic and involved hang gliding, which is interesting because I wrote my own kaiju short story that involved hang gliding. But both ended with the notion that as long as nuclear energy exists, Godzilla would live. So it was offered to Ashira Honda to direct, but he turned it down to help Kurosawa, his friend Akira Kurosawa, with the movie Ron. He mm -hmm. did suggest Koji Hashimoto as director, though, and that is the guy who eventually went on to direct Return of Godzilla. I'm curious about this one. Like, uh, there's a lot of aspects that I like um, with this. They, it's, Godzilla, when he's facing a foe, that uh that has the multiple forms seems to always been being done well um it was actually a bit of a through line a theme in the heisei movies because basically mm -hmm. every single foe he had had more than one form in one form right. or another <laughs> no pun intended no <laughs> um and it's also like I'm curious how Honda would have done 
uh, a heyday era film. Because he's also on the, he's been on the record about not enjoying those films. Um, so it would have been, especially if he was involved, that makes me more curious about this. Yeah, like, they tried to get him to come back several times, but he kept saying no. Yeah. I think yeah. he was happier to just work with Kurosawa. To be yeah. Honest. Yeah. It would have been interesting. This, yeah, this one is one I'd be like, I'm all for. Like, <laughs> give me an alternate universe version of this. <laughs> give me, yeah, a comic, an animated movie, anything I'm down for out of this. Mm-hmm. This, this sounds awesome. Yeah, especially um, Bacon. Yeah, Bacon in yeah. this form would have been interesting. I think. Especially since, I, for what I understand, when I say it, it doesn't end with Godzilla killing him, Godzilla kills him, according to John, kills him about halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the movie's dealing with him. Well, and then also the idea of um, the notion that as long as nuclear energy existed, Godzilla would live. Again, that's a, a great full circle comeback to the original mm-hmm. Gojira, which ultimately like return of godzilla that was all about that mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a very japanese very godzilla series sort of theme exactly mm-hmm. so that that i dig that i dig mm-hmm. um okay so next up we have uh, yeah, godzilla. This, is a, this would have been an american movie another yeah. a, a, another attempt at an american godzilla film <laughs> uh we'll see if it uh we'll see how it holds up uh, <laughs> so it's uh uh, 3D, uh, it's called Godzilla, King of the Monsters, in 3D! In um, 3D! Okay, keep in mind, this is the early 80s, when we had yet another resurgence of 3D. in 3D movies. Yep. Uh, so a 3D remake of the 1956 King of the Monsters from Friday the 13th, Part 2 and 3 director Steve Miner, and written by 22-year-old Fred Decker. Um Set in San Francisco, the the American Godzilla movies always want San Francisco. I know, uh, which I I like. I like because it it seems to be always the default is New York. So yeah, well, I think it's because they want. Apparently, somebody just and there are a lot of people in Hollywood just really hate the Golden Gate Bridge or something. (laughs) Well, also I think it, it it works with Godzilla like there's more options for it to emerge around San Francisco and it gives you non uh, building scenery. It's not like the New York countryside, however far away from the city where San Francisco, there's parks all around. And anyway, um, so set in San Francisco, a meteor hits a satellite with nukes. Oh, okay. The satellite has nukes. I'm like, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Poorly written. (laughs) I should have put armed Uh, with nukes. Yeah. Okay. Launched it and uh, which awakens Godzilla and his offspring. The baby attacks a Russian submarine, sinking it and dying in the process. The eyepatch wearing soldier protagonist goes to recover the nukes and his son becomes obsessed with Godzilla. How is it? Oh, yeah, they said remake, so not a shot for shot remake. Yeah. Um, this is more of a reboot because this has little to do with King of the Monsters. Um, uh, he battles Godzilla. He battles his nemesis, a Russian agent with a blade and seeking the missiles. After killing him, or rather pushing him into Godzilla's hand and letting the monster kill him, he lures Godzilla out to sea in a helicopter, and his son fires a nuke down Godzilla's throat, killing him. Uh, The son falls out of the chopper, 
but is caught by the dying Godzilla. It could have been any monster. It was more influenced by the beasts from 2,000 fathoms. 20,000. Um, 20,000. Yep. Sorry. I just can't read. I can't worry. It's getting to that time of day. Um, it's <laughs> and Gorgo. Elements from the script, such as a quotation from Beowulf, ended up in the unmade Godzilla versus the Griffin and Godzilla, ni- Godzilla 1998 and even the return of Godzilla. Uh, there's a scene where people in, in a theater are watching Friday the 13th 3D. Um, someone complains, complains, the 3D sucks, and Godzilla's tail crashes through the screen. <laughs> Godzilla was made to look like, designed to look like an Allosaurus. Um, ooh, I'm going to have thoughts on that. I'm just going to finish this. Many celebrities were considered to be in the thr- film. Um, there was a planned sequel, a 3D remake of Rodan. <laughs> so I I have a lot of thoughts on this. One is the first is this screams nineteen eighties action movie. It does. And I kind <laughs> of love it. <laughs> like you know, the you, eye patch hero the, the, the evil Russian like, with blade hand that that would have been very good. Either this uh, <laughs> this could either be really, really like a bad eighties action movie or a bad eighties action movie or Give it to James Cameron, uh, but a true lies vibe, like he can deliver that with this, I'm in. Because James I, Cameron can make the ridiculous work with the action. I know. He can do in, insane, accurate, awesome action, like Terminator and Terminator 2. <laughs> but he can also do the comedic action, like true lies. And if you had that vibe with oh, this, man. I'd be down. I want Arnold in this movie now. Seriously. Yeah, no, now now I'm in. What are you um, going to do, Godzilla? What, what, what is what is with it? What is with you, Arnie Junior? Why do you like this lizard so much? <laughs> uh, you need to stop it. Stop it! Right, yeah. <laughs> no, we've we've made the pitch. I'm now in. I'm in a thousand percent. If it's James James Cameron directing it, Arnold's in it, and it's a true eyes. Uh, Arnold also, with an eye patch. You have to remember from, the eye patch. That would make it even to better. Get him away from uh, Avatar sequels. Um, yeah, other than that, the one note I'll have is it, this also sets up what seems to be a continuous theme um, for the American Godzilla movies. Because originally, you saw some planned artwork from a movie we're going to talk about coming up, um, James DeBa- Jan DeBont's Godzilla, where Godzilla was more true to Japanese Godzilla. But I've since also seen other artwork where Godzilla looks more T-Rex-ish, and that seems to be a theme with the American ones. They, they're like, Godzilla's got to look more like a dinosaur um, for our audiences to be on board. Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, I do really like the meta joke <laughs> that was in the script <laughs> with them watching, because <laughs> it would have been yeah. Steve Miner. <laughs> <laughs> with, oh, uh, yeah. Friday the 13th the 3D. 3D oh, the 3D <laughs> sucks. Bam! Godzilla's tail. <laughs> it almost um, reminds me of the Godzilla 98 ad campaign. Oh, yeah, yeah. In a way. Sorry, give, me a quick, <laughs> give me a quick sec. I gotta let uh, Luna the Wonderful outside. I will be right back. Alright, it'll give me a chance to take a bathroom break. <laughs> well, there you go. And now we're gonna move into... Not so much an unmade movie, it's more like the first draft of a script. That being Shinichiro Kobayashi's Godzilla vs. Biolante. 
So we did get Godzilla versus Biollante, but this is the first draft. And you have to understand, that movie came about because Toho had a script contest, and they mm-hmm. had people submit ideas for a new Godzilla movie after the return of Godzilla, and this is the one that ended up winning, and it actually came from a Japanese dentist. Which is, which is crazy. Um, and a quick note to the listeners who, who don't know, uh, Toho has done this in the past, and the reason they jumped to it is while Return of Godzilla was successful, it wasn't as successful as they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, all right, let's see what we can do before just jumping it back to bringing in past monsters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, is this guy did have one, at least one other screenwriting credit to his name. He wrote an episode of Return of Godzilla that had an eerily similar monster and story. <laughs> Trust me, I've seen it. And when I watched it, like, why is this so much like Godzilla versus Biollante? And then I learned later, oh, it's because it was written by the same guy. No wonder. <laughs> he must have really had a thing for this story. Anyway, so here are the main... What we're, I'm going to go over is just the main differences between this original script and the final film. One is that it had another monster in it. Deutalios, a rat-fish hybrid monster who fights Godzilla. And Godzilla eats him. I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reporter character who's essentially Mickey Sagusa and her handler in the finished film. So one character got split off into two. The scientist's father, the, you know, the scientist's father who's in Godzilla versus Biollante yeah. is a bit more sinister in this version. And Biollante attacks with the forest and has a human face. <laughs> That would have been a bit disturbing. The daughter's fiancé dies, uh, the daughter of the scientist, dies during Godzilla's attack, and Biollante's vines embrace his body. Godzilla leaves as if ashamed. (laughs) By that I mean ashamed of going after Biollante. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of all over the place. Um, I can see why they made the changes that they did. (laughs) There's also a few things in here that I think actually would have been interesting if they had been kept. Yeah. Like the the idea of the daughter, the daughter who dies and then her DNA is used as part of Biollante, giving her a fiancé and her Mm -hmm. seeing the fiancé later when she's a monster. That would have been interesting, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the human face, that would have been a little too surreal and weird and just, no. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I do dig the idea of Godzilla eating another monster um, because that never happened. (laughs) Well, he kind of ate one of the Ghidorah heads, kind of. Kind of. In King of the Monsters 2019. But, yeah. Yeah. So that one that was pretty straightforward. Just a few of the key differences. And that movie eventually got made. True. Although now we're coming to another one of my favorites from this list. <laughs> so this one is called Godzilla Legend of Asuka Fortress. Um, it is the only Heisei Godzilla film written by Shinichi Sekazawa. Shinichi. Um, pardon? Shinichi. Shinichi, my apologies. Shinichi Sekazawa. Um, it had Godzilla fighting a supercomputer. It's rumored to have eventually become the infamous Gunhead. 
rumored. Um, no one's entirely sure. Basically, this could be could have been called Godzilla versus Skynet. <laughs> that pitch it makes me crazy. <laughs> um, Keep going. And by the way, for those so, who don't know, Shinichi Sekizawa was one of Toho's go-to screenwriters back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. This is, he he basically retired after the 70s. This was the one time he had an opportunity to write a Heisei movie. Oh, man. Um, it came from a Godzilla 2 story contest winner uh, by Tetsuo Kobayashi titled Godzilla vs. the Robot Corps. Um, it was to be adapted by Sekizawa. It was considered to be too, too expensive, but too good to throw away. So it was kept as a backup for Godzilla vs. Biollante and a possible Godzilla 3. Um, it's set in a, dyst- a dystopic year 2000. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just thinking now, uh, the dystopic year of 2020. <laughs> um, the Asuka Fortress, um, or Asuka Fortress, however you pronounce that, mm-hmm. um, is a giant tentacle mountain. Um, the hero, Miko, is a lab tech in the fortress, which is being developed as a weapon to replace combatants. The other main characters include the daughter of the prime minister and a photographer. The fortress's AI determines that Godzilla is a threat to existence. Um, yeah, and then uh, these are just a few uh, lines that were in the script that I noted. Yeah, it's almost like a vid- video game. Operation Death. Yeah, that was what <laughs> the AI said it was going to implement because eventually it concludes <laughs> that humanity is a problem too. If I remember correctly. It always seems to be the case. Yeah, so um, it said it's, it's going to I- implement Operation Death. It's one of these uh, moments, according to John, that they give the AI some personality. Um, and then the last notes are Godzilla has three battles, including two against the fortress. The first is against a super chopper, which may have inspired the battle with the Super X2. Um, and in one draft, it also featured a robot called Titan. I want this so bad. <laughs> yeah, no, this uh, um, all for it. This sounds amazing. I would, I would seriously want if this actually got written into a full-fledged script. I want to get my mitts on it, and I, I will make this an audio drama. I will well, make this thing exist myself if I have to. <laughs> I will write this script. <laughs> honestly, the other thing that I have been lately very disappointed in is that, one, there's not that many Godzilla games, and two, they always just seem to be just generic fighting games. Um, as I'm reading this, and it gets to the title of It's Almost Like a Video Game, they're, uh, especially now, like, bit. Uh, more so, I'd say, than any other time. Video games have such story aspects that it's not just, like, point and shoot. Like, you could do almost a Resident Evil or an Assassin's Creed-style <laughs> game with this plot. Yeah. And, and that sounds uh, like I would love to play this. Yeah, um, a video game course, would be interesting for this. Yeah. So maybe you could switch between playing as the lab tech and playing as Godzilla. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, it, like, I recently played through a Resident Evil game. I wasn't that big of a fan. The game was fine, but I was just like, this isn't my kind of game. Um, 
But yeah, this would be crazy interesting. Yeah, and um, I can tell you from uh, I can tell you from the other details that are in John's chapter on this that there's a lot of talk about the use of technology and machines because they're trying to use it to replace actual soldiers on the field, and the visuals that you could have gotten out of this would have been mind blowing. I oh, think yeah. oh, it yeah. very much has a a mid to late '80s. Terminator cyberpunk sort of feel to it. Just reading this John's summary of it. Yeah, this uh, this is this one out of any we've read on this list. Um, outside of the pitch we created <laughs> for Godzilla Resurrected, um, this is the one I'm like a thousand percent on board with. <laughs> yes, like I said, I might just take the initiative and make it exist myself. <laughs> oh wait, not not Godzilla resurrected. Um, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. <laughs> yes, yes, the King of the Monsters colon Godzilla resurrected. Yeah, yeah. All right. So now we come to one that I think is a uh, is a uh, personal favorite of Jimmy's. <laughs> yes, I know because you love the Mysterians. Because this one is called Godzilla versus the Mysterians, and it's another attempt at an American Godzilla film. But you might be surprised who came up with this. <laughs> this is a proposal from music video. You heard that right. Music video director Mick Anger. I hope I said that right. That pitted Godzilla against the titular invaders from the 1957 classic. Have you seen the Mysterians yet? No. You should. <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic for a reason. <laughs> and Jimmy loves it, so make Jimmy happy. <laughs> yeah, It came about while Anger was filming, again, how weird is this, was filming two Whitney Houston concerts in Japan <laughs> in 1989 and saw Godzilla vs. Biollante. Yes, Whitney Houston almost inspired a Godzilla film. But his employer got him a meeting with Koichi Kawakita, who was the special effects director for the 80s and 90s, Kaiju films from Toho, after he spent several weeks working on this project. So he was basically putting together a, a story treatment. Tonally, the treatment is like gremlins with gore, horror, and dark comedy. The main character is a boy whose mother is a karate instructor and his father is an entomo... an entomo... I can't... How do you say this? Entomologist? I hope I said that right. I hope I, I hope I, I spelled that right. <laughs> but that's just an interesting thing. Basically, a crazy specialized scientist and his mother's a karate instructor. <laughs> this kid is either in a monster in like an 80s monster movie starring a kid or he's a superhero waiting to happen. I'm not sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. The Mysterians HQ is in the Grand Canyon. And they wear masks made of human flesh. <laughs> and so I guess they wear they do that instead of the helmets anymore. The motorcycle-looking helmets that I have little doubt inspired Super Sentai and Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> they also seem to have, uh, it was like Star Trek, they had color-coded ranks because their leader is the only one who gets to wear orange. <laughs> I miss being able uh -huh. to wear orange on the island. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we, and I voiced that to the board of directors on several occasions. Anyway, back to this. Godzilla is introduced on Monster Island. Oh, really? Playing rock volleyball with Angerus. This loses me. <laughs> no, it happened before. He's done that before. He played he played rock volleyball with Ebera. True, true. And it's still a popular pastime for the kaiju on the island. They have been observed numerous times just picking up rocks and playing catch. It's just what they do. Rodan and a sea serpent watch. Godzilla is kidnapped by a saucer, and Rodan picks up Angerus to give pursuit. <laughs> the Mysterian's ultimate weapon is Hirajin, which is a 300-foot quote-unquote, part man, part Gila monster, part Mysterian battle tank, end quote. And Godzilla and Angerus kill it by distracting it, by throwing rocks back and forth, and then throw it at his head. And I put a little note on here that reminded me of that episode of Batman the Animated Series. We almost got him where they asked Killer Croc, oh, okay, so how did you almost get Batman? I threw a <laughs> rock at him. <laughs> 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 the treatment was translated into Japanese and shown to Kawakita, who liked it, but Tanaka wouldn't allow a foreigner to write a Godzilla film. Plus, he didn't <laughs> want to use Showa continuity and thought it was, quote-unquote, too American. <laughs> so, when you add in the, the, the Showa aspect to it, I'm like, this is much more in line with it. Um, and why I said that it loses me when it's, uh, playing rock volleyball is that is such a stark contrast to everything else that's going on. I don't know. It sounds pretty insane. I mean, and it's, it's a voice (laughs) foreshadowing the fact that Rodan and Angerus are like, Hey, let's throw a rock at the robot. (laughs) And then they're like, headshot. I mean, and, it's interesting that it's a music video director who comes up with this, but also, I mean, hey, creative people got to get their start somewhere. That's where um, Fincher got his start. Um, oh, Fincher. Poor Fincher. Which I would actually uh. love to see a David Fincher Godzilla movie now that I think about it. That could be crazy interesting. Well, let's just hope he doesn't get manhandled like he did with Alien 3. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, um, there there is aspects of this that I like a lot. So <laughs> I, I think it would it would have been insane and fun, and yeah, especially if they let Mick Anger do it, he probably would have brought a bit of that a music video flair to it. It would have been. I think it would have been very stylized, very oh, yeah. very stylized. And I'll be honest. Ninety nine percent of the time, I hate music. Because they have nothing to do with the song, and they're often just really dumb. But they'll also have random concepts in that. So as you read through this, you're like, "Yeah, this works. This is a music video." Um, and I'm sure. That, and when you add the 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 Shawa note to it, it's like, "Well, that makes sense of Godzilla of them killing it by throwing a rock at its head. Otherwise, that is just so unsympathetic." But it works with the the Shawa stuff. So you know what? I'd be into it. Mm-hmm. Especially if it had that gremlin sort of tone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't um, read Godzilla after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're we're starting to get a time crunch, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick us up. 
The next one is called Micro Super Battle, Godzilla versus Gigamoth and Godzilla's Counterattack. So these um, are two drafts with uh, of a movie that had a lot of similar ideas that just had two different titles attached to right. it. And here's where we start getting in getting into ya boy, Batra. <laughs> yes, my boy. Um so it came about because Toho wanted to remake King Kong versus Godzilla for the 60th anniversary. They yep, their get the 60th rights. anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their 60th anniversary. Um, they couldn't get the rights, so that didn't go far. They then tried to use Mechanic Kong, but they technically didn't own the rights to that character either. So that couldn't be <laughs> Yes, Jimmy, it didn't stop you. <laughs> Yeah, nope, you nope. rebuilt that uh, that robot punk. <laughs> copyright does not uh, does not apply to Jimmy. Um, <laughs> Jimmy is beyond copyright. Jimmy and is beyond copyright. <laughs> so it's a concept that would have featured a fantastic voyage style where miniature humans in a submarine are injected into Godzilla. One of them was uh, Miki Miki Segusa. Um, it was. It also included Gigamoth, a dragonfly-like monster Godzilla would fight in Las Vegas. It was spawned by radiation from the construction of Mechanicong. They need to stop his heart from going critical. Um, stop Godzilla's heart from going critical. That's why they're being something. injected into him. Right. Which the is funny thing something... is that there's actually a Gamera movie kind of like this. <laughs> And this is, they've now planted a seed for something that they are going to use in uh, Godzilla vs. Destroya. Um, just not by going into him. Uh, mm-hmm. No magic school bus Godzilla. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so another draft was set in, set in Japan, dropped Gigamoth, and featured terrorists injecting Godzilla with devices to make him go critical. Um, Which I admit, I admit, that's actually kind of an interesting concept, terrorists trying to weaponize a kaiju, but not in how yeah. you would expect. Not in a, we're yeah, going to no, mind I, control it and make it destroy stuff. No, we're going to turn it into a living bomb. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. That's a really cool idea. Um, so then, a final draft had Mechanic Kong controlled by the pilot's body movement. Oh, so, Jaegers, anyone? Jaeger Mechanic Kong. <laughs> Um, so when inside they learn Godzilla's biology is basically like a nuclear power plant Um, they also communicate via Morse code by making Godzilla's spines flicker I like that idea idea. Um, seriously yeah it was dropped because it was too difficult to get the Kong rights and the execs wanted to reintroduce Mothra elements of uh, this did Make Fine. their ways yeah. into Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2, Godzilla versus Destroya, and Rebirth of Mothra 2. Um, another version with Gigamoth, Godzilla versus Gigamoth, would have had this monster be a nuclear mutated um, evil twin for Mothra. <laughs> there was only one Shobajin, and she falls in love with the male lead. She dies at the end to save Mothra, but then a human woman oceanographer <laughs> looks like her appears. Gigamoth would have stabbed Mothra with a horn, and the two would become the true Mothra. <laughs> you know, uh, the idea of the Shobajin falling in love with our male hero is actually weirdly interesting. Yeah. No, no. That, that's actually really... I'm down for that. Um, 
Yeah, there's just, there are that. smatterings of ideas in every version of this that would have been interesting. I just don't know if everything around it would have been good. Yeah. I'm also like, Gigamoth is interesting, but I, I love Batra, so I'm always going to be like, nah, screw Gigamoth, give me Batra. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course you would. Because Batra is uh, awesome. I, oh, actually, I think you described ba- Batra, Batra as gangsta? Batra is gangster, man. Like, Batra... Batra, you, if you need an anti-hero kaiju, Batra is your one to go to. Because Batra is, like Mothra, about saving the world, but Batra would smack humanity back in a second because he's like, y'all are stupid. <laughs> I like that aspect to it. Like, I like that he's not inherently evil, but he's also, like, not inherently good. Um, I dig Batra a lot. Uh, so, so you you prefer your kaiju with anti-hero flavors. Got it. I, I, I like them. Uh, it, they're rare. Like, it, they're really rare. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you wouldn't even say, like, Godzilla from the Heisei era is an anti-hero. Like, he's still more of a force of nature. Um, like he doesn't go out of his way to destroy humanity, but he doesn't go out of his way to avoid collateral damage and save people either. It's just, Hey, these things show up on my turf and I'm going to take them out. Yep. Um, and it just happens to benefit people. Yeah. Basically. Um, whereas Batra it's nah, I'm about saving the world, but I hate humans because of all the stupid stuff they do. Yeah. Where, yeah. Batra's kind of an anti-hero, and I like it. Yeah. Um, all right, sorry. We've got yeah. a little Now, on to the next one. The next one's a big one. This is a yeah. very popular one and a very yeah. well-known one. This is Jean de Bont's Godzilla from 1994. Yeah. This was the and original version of what eventually became Godzilla 98. It was floated around throughout the 90s. Pitches were made by, no kidding... Tim Burton and Clive Barker. You imagine Tim Burton or Clive Barker directing a Godzilla movie? Oh my gosh. I don't know if I'd want a Tim Burton Godzilla movie, um, but a Tim Burton kaiju film, like where he creates it from the ground up, I'd be a little more interested in. Hi, Luna! <laughs> She's in protect mode. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio of Pirates of the Caribbean fame were chosen. They took a Moby Dick approach, albeit with a woman in the role. (laughs) uh, Her name, and that character's name was Dr. Jill Llewellyn, who wants to avenge her husband's death against Godzilla. There's also a benevolent alien who possesses a character. Because... What a Godzilla movie needs is disembodied aliens. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> ah, so Godzilla, who is a bioengineered life form, is found frozen in the Arctic. The Griffin is a doomsday beast created when several animals are mutated together by a crashed alien probe. There's a scene in San Francisco, again... And the Golden Gate Bridge. The climax is in New York and even involves Godzilla using his reflection in the Twin Towers to distract the Griffin. But this got made, that wouldn't age well. <laughs> that would have, you well, know, it's awkward enough that the end of King Kong 76 is on the World Trade Center. Yep. Many big name directors were considered. 
But it ultimately went to Jean de Bont, who was just fresh off the success of Speed, and he was a huge Godzilla fan. However, they couldn't agree on a budget after Sony sh- uh, shouldered a loss on the movie called Geronimo, an American Legend. Don McPherson, who did rewrites on Alien 3, oh, we're going back to Alien, it comes full circle, was yep. brought in to make the script less expensive. Even David Fincher was considered to direct. Oh, my gosh, it's like we knew it was coming. <laughs> it's uh, darker, more noir-like, and akin to the X-Files. I think that's the script I've read. Mm. Okay. It had a very different story and would have had special effects by Stan Winston. That is probably the most exciting part of this whole thing. Because Stan Winston was basically the Ray Harryhausen of the 80s and 90s. And you can look up, uh, you can find pictures of what his model of Godzilla would look like. Friggin' wonderful. Yeah. Now, the funny thing is, is the Griffin at one point was going to be Ghidorah. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm oh. guessing it was a case of Toho wasn't giving them the rights to Ghidorah, but they gave them Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. Elliot well, and Rossio uh, were given credit in the 1998 film because minor elements of their script were used, uh, but they weren't proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> they basically disavow it. <laughs> <laughs> now, the funny thing is, this does exist in one form. It was made into a fan comic a few years ago, which I have still yet to read. I think I've read it. I'm not sure. Yeah. So this yeah. is, uh, like I said, this is a very popular one because of things like Stan Winston being involved and the idea of the director of Speed working on this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of interesting things. I think it would have been preferable to Godzilla 98, to say the least. Well, so far out of any of the Godzilla... American Godzilla movies that we've had on this list and and the one we eventually got was 98. This is the best. This is the best one. Um, and this is one I'd love to see at an animated adaptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But now uh, we go back to some Japanese madness. Yep. So we are at uh, Godzilla versus Ghost. Godzilla. Um, so in this one, the Heisei Godzilla would have battled the ghost of the original 1954 Godzilla. Um, ghost Godzilla had a long list of powers, including teleportation and levitation, um, but chief among them was possessing Godzilla Jr. to acquire a new body. Uh, it was limited to where it walked before being killed by the oxygen destroyer. At one point, it is confirmed to Mariah. Pardon? Confined. Right. I just can't read. Um, Confined to Mira and put on display and shown on TV. Miki is in it, but one new character would have been the son of Ogata and Emiko from 1954. He invents a neo-oxygen destroyer that can destroy both body and soul. (laughs) Sounds insane. (laughs) I know. Um, in the end, uh, God, Ghost Godzilla leaves Junior's body. Godzilla mourns before being killed with the Neo-Oxygen Destroyer. Ghost Godzilla returns in a crystal form. Miki resurrects Junior with stolen plutonium. 
and Junior defeat Ghost Godzilla. It was turned down because the studio didn't want to keep making films where Godzilla fights a different incarnation of himself. And it led to Godzilla versus Destroyer. <laughs> it's just, there's some things in this that just sound absolutely insane. It's not yeah. like it would have been a very busy movie. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, there's aspects where I'm like, that could have been interesting. Uh, but then, like, the idea of Godzilla having to reluctantly face off against the possessed junior, color me interested. Um, but then there's other aspects of it where it's, uh, like soul body hopping, a crystal form Godzilla. Yeah. Cause we already had that. Exactly. Where it's just like, okay. Yeah. No. And, it, and Mickey it, stealing plutonium. <laughs> yeah. It, where it's just like, you, ha- you had me in the first half and then you, you kind of lost me. Um, so if there, this is one where it's like, if you could have a refined version where they pick more of a lane, then I'd be interested in seeing this in some form, like be it a comic or a, a show, but where it's everything, I'm like, this is, I don't think this would work. It's way too busy. Yeah. Um, you need, I think you need to scale back on some of the things in this. Yeah. And there's, there's interesting stuff that they did incorporate into Godzilla versus Destroya which is definitely the much better idea than this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, but, uh, after this, uh, it'll, uh, this next one's actually pretty quick and, uh, cause it would have been a Godzilla versus bacon. Oh, <laughs> bacon. And then, bacon. There was, we, these are just the ones that bacon showed up in a Godzilla film. They tried to put bacon in an unmade Mothra movie and some oh, other yeah. places. So it was just ridiculous. The, a project that would have pitted Godzilla against the infamous, Bagan as the final Godzilla film in the Heisei series. It went through several iterations that swapped Bagan for Varan and added Mothra, Rodan, and the Gotango at points. Yes, I know you love that thing. You took it for a joyride once. I've heard that story a couple of times. <laughs> Both Varan and Bagan would have been harbingers of the apocalypse. <laughs> Naturally. In the end, it seems to... Uh, in the end, it seems to be a little more than a rumor because no one really has a whole lot about that one. Right. It's like somebody just it's like somebody just pitched the idea in a creative meeting and then it they considered it for about thirty seconds and then moved on. <laughs> well, yeah, just because everything about uh, Godzilla versus Destroya screams finality, um, with the exception of the 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 ending shot with Junior. But that was also like set up to be like, and now we're setting, we're leaving it to the next chapter is from the Americans. (laughs) And yeah. I think this was one of the things that eventually became Godzilla versus Destroya. I think that's the the issue. So next up we have Godzilla 2, which I'm on the record of saying I am much more on board with this then I am the first Godzilla, uh, the first American Godzilla. And yeah, the only reason yeah. and is- I, uh, I've actually seen a video panel with uh, where the screenwriter was interviewed, and he actually was pretty proud of that script, and he was sad that it never got made. Well, a lot of it has to do with they, they adjusted it, but then also because you had Zilla, you knew going in what to expect. 
like with the monster. And then they started adding bits from proper Godzilla. Um, so I, I dig that aspect. Um, so this was intended to be a sequel to Godzilla 1998. It was written by Tab Murphy, Last of the Dogmen, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Empire and Tarzan fame. Um, Nick Titopoulos, along with Roche and Hicks, who would have pursued the one surviving baby Godzilla to Australia, where the monster establishes a new nest. Godzilla Jr. and The Runt would fight a giant insect named the Queen Bee. Um, <laughs> that's not what it says, but that's probably how it would have gotten marketed to out. the kids when they made the toys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listener, you can figure out what Queen Bee means. Um, <laughs> I will admit, it would have been kind of funny to hear it called that for the whole movie. Well, it's also just, as soon as I read that, I'm like, this is alien, man. <laughs> Get away from her, you... Um, yeah. So... It gives Godzilla a nuclear ray and has a Oh, you a forgot monster... one part. You forgot one, though. Sorry, yes. Audrey is absent because Nick is essentially kidnapped at his... Uh, is essentially kidnapped from his wedding at the beginning, um, which I'm for because <laughs> Audrey was... Nobody, nobody likes that character and that actress. Yeah. Uh, no. There's a reason I, why I, the Honest Trailers video uh, nicknamed her career killer. <laughs> And I also love that honest trailer just going in hard. <laughs> Epic voice guy just <laughs> Jay Leno chicken. Man, I hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, I've met him by the way. <laughs> oh nice, nice. Um so it gives Godzilla a, a nuclear ray, so like like his atomic breath, and it has a monster island. Oh really? <laughs> And then it Although ha- uh, um, Monster Island in this is a bit different. Yeah, it's more like Jewel Verne's um, Mysterious Island. Mm-hmm. Either and the runt expensive. is the one, uh, because the Zilla Jr., Godzilla Jr., makes a new nest. It gets attacked at one point, and only one of the babies survives, and it's the runt. Yeah. And it's been, uh, listener, I'd highly recommend, you can find videos on YouTube that go through the script of this and this is one where i'm like i'd give me a fan comic or an animated show of it actually um, you already so, got but... the animated show <laughs> <laughs> right a lot of aspects of this were incorporated into godzilla the animated series um so it was either deemed too expensive or sony didn't make it because of the bad reception to the first one no one knows at points also sony was kicking around an idea of just rebooting Godzilla um, with no connection to this, but eventually the rights expired, went back to Toho. um, So America no longer had the rights to make any Godzilla. Um, Toho still had the rights to make Godzilla. Yeah, for a while. Um, So, yeah. You know what? I would have been totally fine if this actually got made. I think it actually would have been liked a whole lot more than the oh, first yeah. movie, and it might have actually made people warm up to that first one a bit more. Well, it, it would have retroactively made it better, um, I think, and then also because of Junior in... Uh, yeah, Junior in this was much more Godzilla-like in terms of abilities, um, like Nigh Immortal again, and <laughs> the the atomic breath, like 
it enhances some of the, the new design aspects or characteristics of Zilla from 98, but then incorporates stuff that people love from Big G. Um, and then also because you knew what you were getting to a degree from the 1998 movie, that makes it a lot easier to digest. Yeah. And then the next yeah. one, only got a few notes on this one, is called Godzilla <laughs> vs. M, which is not the official title. It's just what has been attached to it. This right. was Shusuke Kaneko's first proposal for a Godzilla film. So this is the guy who did, I'll do the whole title, Godzilla Mothra <laughs> and King Ghidorah, giant monsters all out attack. <laughs> and he also directed the Heisei Gamera trilogy. So this was his first the proposal. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> The, the handful of details that I can give you for that is that it would have been set in an alternate history universe and had Godzilla fight an astronaut inhabited by a benevolent alien who transforms into a giant. So I guess you could have called it Godzilla versus Ultraman? Or J Jaguar would finally get his reappearance. <laughs> <laughs> you approve of this? Of course you do. You and Jet are practically best friends. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, Jimmy, Jet you're my sidekick, but Jed is your sidekick, so it's like this hierarchy of sidekicks. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Needs, uh, there is also an episode of Ultraman <laughs> Powered kind of like this, to be honest. I've, I think I've heard about that one. Yeah. Uh, it also featured a father-daughter dynamic that would find its way into GMK, and actually it's honestly one of the best parts of GMK is the relationship between the reporter girl and her father. I think this, like, this one, I don't have enough information to be, like, really into it. Um, but the idea of Godzilla fighting a giant mech, like, that's par for the course and most of the time color me interested. Um, and it's also very millennium in the sense yes. of it's an alternate history. <laughs> Nothing else except for the original has any continuity. Yeah, the, the um, alternate history part did make its way into GMK as well because true. the Japan in that has different laws related to the military compared to right. reality. Right. Right. Now, we only got uh, a couple more left. Let's see if we can get through them. <laughs> we can get through them because we're, we're running low on time. Yeah, here we go. We got another. <laughs> actually, the next two are basically American attempts at a Godzilla film. Yep. So, Godzilla Reborn. Um, this was intended to be a sequel to the dubbed version of Godzilla 2000. Which, which I'm going to say right now is already kind of a weird concept, so it's basically saying that the dubbed version exists and it's a little pocket universe. Well, the thing is, Toho also is on the record as saying, like, God, the dubbed version of Godzilla 2000 is the better movie. So it, it's the rare time that <laughs> the American version of a of a Japanese Godzilla movie is actually better. Well, um, that's because it lets all of us know that there's a little bit of Godzilla in all of us. <laughs> um, so it was to be made uh, for $20 million and have Toho special effects text. It would have been directed by Joe Dante, set in Hawaii, and featured another monster named Miba or Miba. Miba, um, yeah. Now, Joe Dante, for those who don't know, is the visionary director behind such films as Gremlins. 
always with the Gremlins. Um, He's done a lot of other things, but Gremlins is really high on the list. Right. (laughs) Um, So, sorry. uh, The scenes were to be funny and satirical. The human scenes were to be funny and satirical, but the monster scenes were to be serious. Um, The main character is a TV reporter looking for a story. Godzilla is killed by the military in Hawaii and later cloned to fight the reawakened Miba. That is um, a very American thing to do. Because the is. whole concept of the military actually being successful against Godzilla really only exists in one movie, and it's Godzilla 98. Yeah, and I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> the cast would have, uh, would have no, included no, they Bruce wanted, Campbell. They wanted to kill uh, the cast they wanted to include is very American. Uh, Bruce Campbell, Leonard Nimoy, Christopher Lee, and Jamie Lee Curtis, but none of them were approached. Can you, Bruce Campbell would have been amazing for this. I just want to throw that out there. Bruce Campbell would have fully embraced this. I'm not sure about Leonard Nimoy at that point in his career. Christopher Lee probably, well, this would have been right after Lord of the Rings, so Christopher Lee probably would have been a little bit more selective, I'm guessing. Jamie Lee Curtis, I really don't know. But Bruce Campbell would have been 100% into this. Yeah, no, well, yeah, he absolutely would be. Um, Now that I think about it, I'm upset that Bruce Campbell wasn't in any American Godzilla movie, but especially the 98 one. Um, (laughs) I I just wanted to look up at Godzilla and just say, movie <laughs> <laughs> um christopher lee oh man rest in peace i would have loved he he i think even at that time in his career might have because lest we forget like star wars was right around the corner uh, yeah star wars uh, star wars and lord of the rings at this point his you know that was a whole different chapter of his career i mean he made a name for himself playing dracula in the 60s and 70s but exactly i don't know right. <laughs> It, it would have been interesting. Um, okay, so next up is oh, uh, Here's our last one. Our, our last one. one. <laughs> oh, and, uh, wait, I'll quickly say, um, yeah, I'm not into this version. This isn't one I'd even want a, uh, a comic book of. And this is where I'd be like, it's too American. Um, I think it's cast, less that it's, oh, I mean, this one that we're talking about? Okay. Yeah, no, no, sorry. Uh, just because out of unmade ones, like we, we kind of give a verdict if we'd be interested. Yeah. Um, the cast interests me, but almost in any other story but this. Um, yeah, it's just, just it's, the whole thing just sounds a little bit weird. Although yeah, Hawaii it, would have been interesting and Joe Dante directing interesting. Yeah. And it would have been kind of a weird melding because it's an American movie with Japanese special effects artists. That that yeah. part's interesting, but legit, the part that loses me is like we're making a clone of Godzilla, which is interesting enough in and of itself. But it's because the the mighty American military killed him. Like, nah, I'm not, I'm not in for that. Yeah, <laughs> it really should just be another monster. It really, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, uh, now we get to our last one. Sorry, jumped ahead there a little bit. So, I had a, yet another theme for the today's episode 3D. Yep. <laughs> Godzilla 3D to the max. <laughs> Which sounds about it. It's not a 90s movie, but it sounds about as 90s as you can get. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> this seriously. was a proposed 
40-minute 3D film from Yoshimitsu Bono, director of Godzilla vs. Hedera, and his own studio, Advanced Audiovisual Productions. So he's like, I'm going to make a Godzilla movie. If I have to make it myself, I'll make it myself. <laughs> it would have featured a Hedorah-like monster named Deathla. He is so fixated with Hedorah. It's like he makes his one Godzilla movie, yep. and he can't let it go. <laughs> it included forms like Mushroom Deathla and Locust Deathla. Godzilla would once again be the defender of the environment, and able to fly. <laughs> I'll just say, it's almost like the attitude of like, why do I need to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Hedera was perfect. Like, I don't need to change. I'm just going to go back to that well. Yeah. Hedera is perfect. Apparently. <laughs> it would be filmed from the perspective of news cameras and the human characters a la Cloverfield. Huh. Which would have been interesting. Yeah. It had many callbacks to Godzilla versus Hedera, naturally. Godzilla yeah. and Deathla would have flown, yes, all over the world and battled in various locations, including Disney World and the 9-11 Memorial. Yeah, maybe not that part. <laughs> okay. It ends with Godzilla returning to his cave behind a waterfall and winking at the audience. All right, you lose that part. <laughs> it was later changed. Have you seen Zone Fighter? <laughs> it was later changed to Las Vegas in another draft. Probably because they didn't want to deal with the potential controversy of the 9-11 memorial. Yeah. It was to be 40 minutes long and be budgeted at $9 million. It was to be made in conjunction with White Cat Productions. A later draft would have had two brothers and a sister whose father died in the 9-11 attacks. Godzilla attacking Deathla with his... Oh, and Godzilla... Oh, let me start that over. Cut this out. And Godzilla would have attacked Deathla with his quote-unquote ultra-spin tail punch. The heck is that? Pokemon? <laughs> it sounds like Pokemon, like a Pokemon attack. I'm picturing like something the Power Rangers yell in the Megazord. <laughs> <laughs> no, ultra spin tail punch! Except yeah. that would be Power Rangers Megaforce. Um, yeah. Yeah. The less said, the better. <clears throat> Brian Rogers <laughs> and Roger Holden, that's only mildly confusing, of Terminator 2 3D Battle Across Time were set to produce... Keith Melton of Cirque du Soleil Journey of Man was to co-direct, and Sid Mead of Blade Runner and Aliens would design Deathla. Godzilla was to be Suitmation, however. The budget, remember it was supposed to be $9 million, it bloated to $25 million. <laughs> It was shopped around for years by Bono. Nobody picked it up. But as strange as this may sound, one of the studios that he took this to was legendary, and it eventually led to Godzilla 2014, which is why Yoshimitsu Bono has an executive producer credit in that film. Right. So, you could make the argument, as much crap as Bono got for years because of his one Godzilla movie, including from Tanaka and the studio, if it wasn't for Bono, it can be argued, if not for Bono, we wouldn't have all of the wonderful Godzilla and Kaiju stuff that we have right now. 
Fair. 2014, yeah, no, we Godzilla 2014 is the beginning of it. Yeah. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have gotten have... Shin. We wouldn't have gotten everything else. If not yeah. for Bono trying to shop this movie around for years and eventually getting to Legendary. So, yeah, the movie he wanted to make didn't get made, but it was the germ of the idea that eventually blossomed into what we have now. For as much crap as he got, he was always a friend of the franchise. Yeah. So, I don't want this as a movie, but if you were to make this, like, as, as we're going through this pitch, this screams to me a theme park ride. It does sound an like a theme park ride. theme park ride. And I think this could work as that. Because uh, then you can have, like, that allow the ride aspect allows you to fit, like, switch POV um, to the flying as Godzilla. It allows you to then in certain parts, like have the interaction, like the old Kong ride mm-hmm. or Jurassic Park rides, like this to me screams. Or maybe ride. you could be flying around in like a super X sort of a thing. And you're always yeah. following Godzilla and Deathla around. And then maybe sometimes yeah. you fly a little too close because why would you fly that close? But they do it all the time with <laughs> the movies and then you get smacked around. So then, you know, it's uh, then the, the, the ride can shake you around while the vehicle rights itself and things like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think this, no, to me, this is way too busy and nuts as a movie. Um, <laughs> to be a movie, it's just, it's crazy. But if you were like a theme, a Godzilla theme ride, this, this would be it. And it would be awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea, Jimmy. Maybe I should suggest it to the board of directors for them to consider. This would be an interesting attraction at the Monster yeah. Land Resort. Hmm. I'd actually love if Theme Park revisited. And it would be a nice show. little tribute to Bono. I think I think that would be very would be. nice. It would be. And honestly, out of any like out of any other pitch, this is the only one where I'm like, this works as a ride. Mm-hmm. And rides are like rides are iffy things, but like Terminator 3D, of course, uh, Terminator 2 3D Battle Across Time, I never got the chance to ride that. Um, but that was a very story driven ride. <laughs> like it has a lot of love within the Terminator fandom. Um, and the Jurassic Park ride does as well, and the Kong one did to a degree. So I'm like, this could be a story driven theme park ride that. That would be a lot of fun. You know? Yes, I am going to make that proposal. I'm going to make that proposal. Nice. Uh, I mean, nice. come on. They, they may be Orwellian overlords, but from near as I can tell, <laughs> they like money. Well, this yeah, would make money. Bu- that's a business's prerogative. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, as much as we fans want our integrity, at the end they'll be like, look, this has to make money. <laughs> well when you're talking about a a ride it's a little different than an actual movie yeah 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 all right well listener we did it we got yes it only took us two episodes but we did it two episodes and almost four hours 
um, to get through it, but we did it. And uh, I'm sure the thing is, there'll be more. Uh, eventually, there will be more God's unmade Godzilla movies because this is a franchise that I think is right for it, given the long-lasting history it has um, and will continue to have. Like, we're about to enter the, the Godzilla world era where, again, their, their plan is to, uh, every two or three years or every, even every year have a new Godzilla or a new kaiju film, which means not all of them are going to get made. And <laughs> in a couple of years, we're going to learn some interesting facts and it'll be fun to go through those to see what we would have liked. Why uh, do we get why it didn't get made? And yeah. If nothing else, it'll keep John LeMay busy. <laughs> oh, calm down. Don't start another flame war with him, please. <laughs> it'll keep John busy and give many kaiju YouTube channels a lot of content for a while. This is true. All right. Yeah. All right, sir. Well, I know we, we are on a time crunch. You got you to gotta get back to the past the border ASAP. So we're going to yes. wrap this up. But thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for coming back and joining us to uh, to finish this out. And listener, you can check out Nathan um, currently on the Monster Island. It is the year of Gamera. Yes, much to my chagrin. Current uh, chagrin. Uh, the, uh, the September can't get here soon enough. Let me. Know. <laughs> I was going to say, like coming towards September, you're gonna you're gonna be singing a different tune. Yes. <laughs> Yes, assuming that the board, I swear, they're trying to kill me by making me go through, <laughs> slog through all of these Gamera movies, but whatever. <sighs> hmm. All right, well, uh, where can people check you out, sir? Well, you can check out the Monster Island Film Vault at monsterislandfilmvault.com, and we're also on all the podcatchers. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter, Yes, and follow Jimmy on Twitter too. Those, uh, those handles are the Monster Isla One and uh, at NASA Jimmy, and then there's also at MIFV underscore Legal Team, which is Raymond Martin, who's <laughs> the resident lawyer on Monster Island, and also my pseudo sister clone, Crystal Lady Jessica at Crystal Lady Jess One. I believe I got everybody. Oh yes, in the board. Follow the board on Twitter at Monster Isla B-O-D, whatever. And also, I you am an author. Con- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> say, it, say it. What were you saying? <laughs> I just wanted to jump in and steal your line. You have fulfilled your contractual obligations. <laughs> yes, I have fulfilled my contractual obligations. I will not be shot into space for one more day. And not to be confused with that horrible Spider-Man story. But <laughs> yeah, nope, nope. <laughs> and then I am also a professional author and writer. You can check out my writings on my website, NathanJSMarchand.com, because, yes, I have two middle initials and had to use them because the domain name NathanMarchand.com was already taken. I'm going to find that guy, and I'm going to unmake him. <laughs> this took a dark turn. <laughs> Deleted! Anyway, uh, and then you can follow. Uh, also, the podcast is on Instagram and 
Facebook, and then I bring that up because I also have a professional Facebook page called The Worlds of Nathan Marchand, and you can follow my author Twitter, my professional Twitter, at NathanMarchand7. I believe that is everything that I need to bring up, <laughs> other than the fact that I do have a new book out in print called Zorzum and the God Who Devours. It's a sword and sorcery story with a barbarian cooler than Conan, and I co-wrote it with my friends Nick Hayden and Aaron Brosman. Nice. There you nice. go. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, Nathan, as always, thank you for coming here. I, I love doing these uh, kaiju-themed episodes with you. Um, Feel free to have listening. me back. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I, oh, dude, I'll definitely have you back. <laughs> I'm your new and, favorite uh, guest. Just admit it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's my favorite guest. <laughs> oh, Ah. <laughs> All right. Well, dear listeners, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. God bless my friends and take care. Peace. Sayonara. <laughs>